With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up for tonight's show? Because we like to go into every show nice and smooth. You know how it goes. Got to just slide right in. Judy Wheeler, good to see you. And Ozzy Ange, nice to have you here. And the Michael Leger has returned. Alice Elkins, welcome to SOR Chat. Hi, Amy. Hi, Pixie Laura. Hi, Nikki in Seattle. And National California Cubs fan, merling it up hard. Look at that. That's Power Merle right there. Guitar Muse, too. How you doing there, Markham? Good to have you. And we'll see you in Vegas, by the way. And uh, Lurks a Lot. Good to have you here. Vaughn Patrick, Lily Pond. And uh, some good merling there. Little Marky Spender has arrived. There he is. Say hi to Baxter for us, my friend. And give him a good pet. And there's Merle even merling it up for himself. That's what he does. He's not afraid to merle it up. Let's see here. Uh, you got some shoe polish in your hair? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Dolly, how you doing, young lady? Good to have you here. Alien Believers, nice to see you. And, uh, yeah, little Timmy Senor is here. All right, eight seconds, everyone. Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do. Horns up. Let's rock. Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old davy the favor hit that subscribe button you can follow us on twitter at spaced out radio instagram at spaced out radio show and on tiktok at spaced out radio our website is spaced out radio.com we have a plethora of features for you Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. It's a power show of paranormal tonight as our man Merle from Ghosts of the Great White North is back with special guest Craig Owens. Then in hour number three, we're going to head to the swamp. And then, of course, little Timmy Senor, the Timbit, will be back with the UFO report. Well, first time in 2023, our main man of the paranormal, Merle, is back for Ghosts of the Great White North. Merle is part of the Paranormal Road Trippers based out of Vancouver, British Columbia, where he hangs out looking for all sorts of ghost ghouls and goblins on the west coast of Canada, but he is willing to go further than anyone will to find out the existence, the true existence 
of the ghosts that are out there. Tonight we are joined by a very special guest. His name is Craig Owens. He's an author. He's a researcher. He is somebody who works in haunted history around Southern California. And we're going to learn way more about Craig tonight because I'm going to tell you, this guy's shirt and tie combination, along with his fedora, looks fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. We're going to bring them all in right now. My main man, Merle, good to have you back. First time of 2023, my friend. I am very happy to be here. I always want to do a WWE style. Finally, Merle has come back to SOR type moment. You do realize that, uh, you know, El Avni Volador, you know, yes. r- real rude uh, wrestler around here. He got called out. He got called out by a professional wrestler named the Navajo Warrior who wants to have a cage match slash leather strap match in Vegas at our Vegas party. Are you going to be his opponent? I'm not El Avni Volador. That's that's the problem. That's true. I'm not his manager. Well, I want nothing to do with it. I want nothing to do with (laughs) it. I don't I'm not a violent man or anything like that. You know, nothing. Nothing, nothing like that. All right, right, but that's neither here nor there. I'll play you the video. I'll send it to you. I'm telling you, look look at this Craig Owens gentleman here. Nice shirt and tie combination, high and tight goatee. The fedora is rocking. This says says paranormal investigator extraordinaire all over the place right there, all over the place. Merle, uh, how did you find this great-looking gentleman? Um... I follow and talk to Brandon Elvis, which you also talk to Brandon. Good Elvis friend of this show. St- yeah, he's he's come on the show a handful of times with us now, and I saw that you guys had done some stuff in Southern California where he's from. And what really got me interested is you have an amazing Instagram site. I love your content. It's probably my top five Instagram pages. And oh, thank you. Yeah, and and just all of your stories on all the Southern California haunts, like 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 the Glen Tavern Inn. Um, yes, it made one. the news recently. Yeah, and in with, the, uh, the Osborns. Yeah, and those are what I what, what I want to talk about tonight. I was I want to get into all the stories of all the hotels you you've covered, and you have a book out, which is awesome. And you further go into details of all of the the hotels there, but just so Southern California is kind of kind of interesting place. I've been there once. Um, I like all the Hollywood stuff, all the like murder all the twisted dark history as well and you dive into a lot of that too which we'll we'll head into as well well thank you for having me and happy 2023 to everybody let's make this a really good year yes craig you know let's talk about how you got into the paranormal realm how did you uh, experience this field because what you do collecting haunted history, not a lot of people actually do that. Yeah, I know. And, and sometimes I wonder why I did it too, but it's kind of a crazy thing. I always you know, my short answer, cause I have a lot of long answers is that uh, I didn't really choose it. It chose me. And I was a photographer. I wanted to be a writer. I was working in on the production side of the film and industry, uh, film and television industry. And, and, you know, I've had a few, my family would say more than a few paranormal incidents growing up, but you know, there were a lot of years that went by where nothing ever happened, but I always had a, 
a fascination with it. And I had a fascination with history, too. And then, you know, around oh, a little over 10 years ago, um, I joined a couple of like ghost philosophy groups and we would meet at bars and talk and and uh, share ghost stories or whatnot. I had a I had a weird experience at Warner Brothers when I worked there as a production assistant. And I uh, I decided, you know, I wanted to um, I love old Hollywood and I love 1920s. And I had this very specific project in mind that was not paranormal, but it was oh, probably on the lines of what became Babylon, except hopefully my project idea was a little bit better than that. But I, I needed a place to shoot uh, like 1920s photos. And so I, I looked around at different hotels in Southern California before choosing the Mission Inn in Riverside. And I went there in the heat of August. There was hardly anyone there. And I, although I had heard that it was haunted, in fact, all of the old hotels in Southern California are supposed to be haunted, uh, I wasn't there to ghost hunt. But I did bring a couple of little gadgets with me just in case something weird started happening. And sure enough, something weird started happening not long after I started shooting this 1920s style photo shoot on the very top floor, the fourth floor of the Mission Inn. And from that point on, I became more interested in the ghost and the model and the photo shoot idea. And uh, I did this again at another haunted hotel and other weird stuff started happening paranormal wise, just, you know, footsteps in the middle of the night uh, when no one was in the building and, you know, your your hair and makeup person's telling you this and you don't believe it till you put out a recorder. And then, lo and behold, on the recorder, you're hearing footsteps off and on all night long. And this always seemed to happen either during the photo shoot or right after the photo shoot. So after a few experiences like this, I decided to experiment even further and to do these photos at a number of haunted hotels spend them about three, four nights there at a time, uh, shoot in the haunted rooms, haunted areas. But I became very curious about the, uh, the history. When did these ghost stories started? Uh, what was the purpose of these buildings? I mean, why, why was this hotel built? What purpose did it originally serve? Um, what crimes, if any, took place there? And that was where the real treat was, the unexpected pleasure was. The photo shoots were great, definitely had some paranormal stuff happen, sometimes interrupting the shoot itself, definitely picked up a lot of EVPs and, oh, witnessed, I witnessed some really strange things like doors opening and closing. But the real uh, surprise were what was what history revealed and doing these really intense background checks, start finding out that historians were sometimes wrong and that the history online is almost always wrong and the paranormal history is almost, almost guaranteed wrong. <laughs> and so uh, it, it became a kind of passion for me to try to sift through all this information and try to separate fact from urban legend and do it in a way that makes sense. And 
I guess I, I can conclude that what I got out of it, it was like a it was like a seven year journey going through like fourteen to sixteen hotels. And what where I came out of it feeling like I certainly believe more in the paranormal. I, I probably believe less in ghost stories than I but believe more in ghosts, if you know what I mean. And what I mean by ghost stories, I don't necessarily I just mean the stuff you find online you know, on paranormal blogs and stuff, but, um, you know, about someone hanging themselves in a room or, you know, a hundred years ago, but no one seems to know the person's name, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. We're talking like ghost origin stories. Uh, but I became much more of a believer of ghosts. But when you start connecting the types of paranormal activity with the actual history and function of the building, suddenly all of these urban legends kind of crumble and a new story emerges. And the story actually begins to make sense as to why it's haunted. I could give you at least one or two examples from like almost each location of that actually happening. Oh, go for it. That's, that's, what, my we're here. That, that's what we're here for. You got that's examples. Bring that up. Okay. We want that. Well, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a case in point. Okay. I'll give you a, probably one of the best cases of endpoint that there is. Um, there's a hotel in Ventura, which is where Brandon, you know, used to live, uh, called the Bella Maggiore Inn. And I don't know if it's ever reopened since the pandemic or not, but it's a very funky former bed and breakfast. And a lot of paranormal folks out in Southern and Central California have at least heard of the Bella Maggiore. It was a thing about 10, 15 years ago. Not so much now. It's not a hot spot yet. But it, it had a famous uh, room. I think it was room 17. And a famous ghost story attached to it. And the ghost story had to do with a prostitute named Sylvia Michaels, who supposedly had an affair during World War II with a naval soldier right towards the end of the war. Uh, the naval officer dumps her when she's bearing child and he goes back to his wife and she ends up um, hanging herself in the closet of room 17. And ever since that time, people have claimed that she's crawled into bed with them or next to them, or that um, a lot of toiletry items get moved in the bathroom of that room. I've heard of towels being ripped down, soap, being moved to another place, the water faucets turning on and off, and and every and this smell of roses. And this was supposedly the ghost of Sylvia Michaels. Well, um, you go back through like more recent newspapers, you'll even find a police sketch that someone did of Sylvia Michaels, but there's no record of a woman ever living at that place nor killing themselves. So. Um, that so I, I couldn't understand the logic of having a police sketch of someone that's not even in the Ventura County records. So I investigated there. I did a photo shoot. There was a well-known paranormal person in Ventura that used to love to get on TV and goes, "If you ever spend the night in room 17, don't go in whistling anchors away, or you know, because this ghost is looking for." the naval officer that, you know, dumped her 
and why she committed suicide in the room. So that actually put the idea in my head, this don't go in there if you're, you know, whistling anchors away, don't go in there dressed as a naval person, maybe people beware. So I decided that's actually exactly what I'm going to do. You whistle. So I'm going to test this <laughs> urban legend, and I'm going to recreate the story of Sylvia Michaels and bring a, a, an actor dressed in a gob. And we're going to spend an awful lot of time in room 17 uh, taking photos. Won't take photos of the hanging or the alleged hanging, but I will take photos of the relationship and the breakup and kind of the heartbreak that went in there and then see what gets stirred up in that room. Because if it's a true story uh, and we're doing this 1940s style shoot with a minimal crew, hardly anyone in the building, um, something may happen. So we did. And things did happen in that room, but it had nothing to do with Sylvia Michaels. And it didn't come till much later. But uh, the point I'm, I'm trying to make about this is that uh, I had an idea that the story might be an urban legend going in, but we tested it anyway. It turns out to be a complete urban legend. Once I did the actual research on the building, there was no Sylvia Michaels. I actually found and interviewed the person who claimed that he had made it up. And he had made it up to scare housekeeping <laughs> in that room back in the 80s, in the 1980s. There were uh, apparently a couple of Greek ladies that, um, that were kind of afraid of that room. And so he made up a story about a woman named Sylvia who was a mail-order bride. See, the story was different back then. Mm. A mail-order bride who had come over after the war and that she hated her life in Ventura so badly that she hanged herself or committed suicide. There was no hanging then. It was she just committed suicide. Um, and then later, it just evolved over time. And suddenly, poor Sylvia goes from being a mail-order bride to a prostitute from New Jersey, from Atlantic City. And then we bring in this naval officer. And so I started trying to figure out, well, who's starting this? And why is this catching wind? Well, I found out that it started actually during a seance over Halloween in the late 1980s in a commercial ghost hunt. And that somehow or another within two years, Sylvia Michaels suddenly became a, uh, a suicide victim, became a murder victim uh, by a chief petty officer of the Naval, uh, you know, from the Navy. So I looked into that try to figure out who started that ghost story. Well, believe it or not, it's the same person that started the first one oh, wow. <laughs> about the, about the, um, about the pregnancy and the prostitute. Um, so this person couldn't even make up their own minds, which version it was. So I started, you know, looking deep into the, um, hotel's history and there were some, it was a little bit based on the real history of the building during World War II. There were people that, you know, were naval off naval folks that would stay there off and on. Uh, almost every one of these residential apartment hotel buildings probably had some kind of prostitution at one point or another. Um, but and I did get what was able to find a few deaths that appeared in that building. But here's the here's the key to it. Um, 
I looked at the old blueprints and the Bella Maggiore Inn was never always the Bella Maggiore Inn. It started out as the El Nido apartment building when it opened in the 20s. Then it became the Taft Hotel, which it stayed that way a long time. And it wasn't until the 1980s, under new owners, did they uh, reinvent it as an Italian. Uh, and they completely re-gutted the rooms and redid everything to make it into this Mediterranean-sounding Italian via. And then they merged with yet another hotel that was right next to it called the Astor. So it's actually a combination of two 1920 hotels into one. Now, room 17 was the men's shared bath until the 1980s. So there was no closet. I looked at the blueprints. There was no closet for a Sylvia Michaels to hang herself. That was a men's shared bath. So the whole story of Sylvia Michaels, the prostitute living out of that room, uh, crumbles to dust because it's a shared bath. However, now what makes it interesting is I had mentioned earlier that toiletry items were a big thing that would happen there in that room, which would get blamed on the ghost of Sylvia Michaels. So what you're seeing is paranormal activity that is actually associated with the use of that room back in the 40s. That makes sense. Toothpaste, toothpaste being moved around, the wallet, you know, being moved around, um, um, towels falling off the rack by themselves, soap, you know, flying off the sink, uh, the, the, uh, the faucet turning on and off. So really, what the ghost is, it could be male, not female, that's actually haunting there, and that it's somehow connected with that bathroom. And by the way, to this date, the Bella Maggiore, that bathroom in room 17 is the only one that has a shower. And the reason why it's the only one that has a shower and a tub and a bathroom and has all a full Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. Well, tax season's here, folks, and you know... Hi there. Whoa, where'd you come from? April here to tell you about the tax filing software from TaxAct. Uh, seriously, were you like hiding behind my desk? Seriously, TaxAct makes it easy to get your maximum refund. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Switch to TaxAct today and you can start for free. Or as we say in Radioland... Subtle. Tax Act. File for less and get more. See TaxAct.com for details. Bathroom was because that's that was its former the pipes were there <laughs> in order to do that. Um, so these are the things that I find far more interesting. So you throw out the Sylvia Michaels ghost story. Doesn't exist. I had some people get mad at me because they love to bring her flower offerings, you know, thinking that they'll connect with the with the ghost of Sylvia Michaels. I'm saying there might be a female ghost haunting one or both of those buildings. 
but it's been mischaracterized. And this, this is one of those things where I recommend throwing out the urban legend, call it for what it is, and let's start over and find out what's really there. Is it male or is it female? When I did my photo shoot in room 17, uh, I would sleep in that room at night with a recorder on. What I got one night was the sound of really heavy boots clomping mm. on like a hardwood floor, despite the room having carpeting. And what I heard what sounded like a gruff male voice from that room, like ordering me to get up or wake up. Um, and I was actually choking in my sleep at the time when all of this was going on. It's a really weird piece of audio. There was also a piano in the lobby right below room 17. And the manager at the time had said that uh, the piano would play by itself uh, every now and then. So we tried to get that going. You know, we would do a photo shoot around that piano. And when, the only reason why I bring it up, it sounds like I'm rambling, but when the audio was picking up the sound of heavy footsteps, a middle boy, I'm choking, and there's this voice saying, trying to say, get up, wake up. That piano is tinkling, playing a few, like, really primitive notes down below. Wow. We got about 30 seconds to go here before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour here on Ghost of the Great White North. Uh, Craig, I, I love the fact that you are so detailed. It, it just, yes. you paint a picture beautifully, my friend. Beautifully. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. It, yeah, I, I, I've got other stuff. I'm full of stories, so just pick my brain. Oh, we're oh, going to. Here for we are so going to. <laughs> Okay. We are so going to. Ghost of the Great White North is back for the first time on 2023 here as our main man Merle from the Paranormal Road Trippers, based out of Vancouver, British Columbia, comes in to co-host with me. So that way we can talk some ghost spirits and some really cool haunted stories. Special guest tonight, we have Craig Owens. He's got a book out on Amazon called Haunted by History, separating the facts and legends of eight historic hotels and inns in Southern California. You can get it now, along with his other books. We'll be back right after this. All right, we're clear. Wow, well, that, was, that was probably the quickest half hour to date. That was fast. I've been I've been doing this since 2015 now with Dave, and that by far quickest. I didn't even know that was half an hour. (laughs) Um, I appreciate how you investigate. I appreciate how you go into the history. You kind of throw everything on on the wall and see what sticks and kind of go after that. You're more of like a haunted detective. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, that that part is fun to me, but it also can be very it's very time consuming and it can be very tedious. It's not for the it's not for the faint at heart. I mean, you, you really, uh, you know, you have to fall down a lot of rabbit holes until you find that one that goes, aha, this makes yeah. sense now. I, I actually really enjoyed that last story you talked about and the fact you got evidence as well. And it totally makes sense with the the toiletries and all that sort of stuff. Cause if that was a, a washroom or a bath area in the old, older days, that would, they just be using it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's what it what purpose it serves yeah i have another one about uh, uh i have i have a couple of stories that are relate to that too bathroom ghosts i don't know why ghosts Weird, right? <laughs> they do so um, yeah well i'm glad it all worked out like with uh with streamyard too that was Oh, I was nervous. You know, I haven't done anything in a while. And, and quite frankly, my brain is actually, I'm glad I'm a little sharp. I've been foggy because I've been, I've been working right now on a hotel called the Hayward Hotel in downtown LA. And it's all part of the Skid Row. It's building after building. It's Cecil. It's, yeah. you know, Barclay. It's uh, Hayward. Uh, there's not in most evil building, you know, they all have serial killers. They all have, they all have jumpers. And uh, I would say the Cecil is probably the mellowest of the one, the ones I'm coming across. And um, it's just, it's really sad, but it, it, but there are so many, just so people behave so weird back then. It's amazing. You might, but right now there, there were a number of like murder plots that were taking place at the Hayward. And, so, you know, it was more than once was the last time, you know, a person was there right before they checked out and were immediately murdered. You know, yeah. it, it's uh, it's it's kind of scary how how the how everything kind of lines up and it's almost a repeated pattern with certain places. It is. It's, it's really weird. And because Ramirez hung out around there, too, right down there. In those days, Richard. Yeah, Rambert. in the eighties, the Cecil. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You you might you might find this interesting. I've been working on a documentary actually, and um, there's a collector here in Vancouver that collects serial killer items, uh-huh. and uh, he's more of a broker. He buys and whatever, but um, he has personal belongings from Richard Ramirez and and Ted Bundy and um, Jeffrey Dahmer, all of them, and we've been investigating them, and it's just. It's, it made me think about that when you mentioned the Cecil and Skid Row, and it's just the amount of energy that must be imprinted down there is mind blowing. Yeah, no, it gets it gets really. Sometimes it wavers between absolutely frightening, creepy, and uh, oftentimes very sad at the mm-hmm. same time. Um, the Barclay, to me, it was more sinister than the Cecil in that it had two serial killers that actually committed murder in the in that building whereas the Cecil only had a couple of serial killers now celebrity serial killers mind you whereas the other one didn't but they didn't there's no hard evidence that they committed any murders inside the building but the Barclay that's a different story and um so you know people will come to me and they'll ask well, did you know? Is do you think that Richard Ramirez came to the Cecil because the Cecil was evil, and you know he wanted to tap into that energy uh, based on past events and stuff? And I went, no, he could have if he wanted real evil, he would have gone to and wanted to pay homage to serial killers of the past. He would have checked into the Barclay. Uh, right. He was there for other reasons, you know. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to get you all to hold on right there for a second. Uh, Thank you to Sibylla and Jake for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love and support. And, hey, just four months away, you can join Merle and I at the SOR fan party 
in Las Vegas at the Golden Nugget, May 19th through 21st. Check the ticker out. We want to see you there. We need you, all of you to merle it on up with us in Las Vegas. Merle's going to be there. You know, you, you just make the call. Merle, and he'll show up. Here we go, everyone. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here's Merle from the Paranormal Road Trippers and Ghosts of the Great White North. He is back for 2023, and we love him. Hooray for Merle Wood tonight. We appreciate him coming on in to talk all things paranormal and supernatural. And our special guest tonight, author Craig Owens, he's got a great book out called Haunted by History, separating the facts and legends of eight historic hotels and inns in Southern California. Craig, Merle, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, it's great to be here. Craig, I want to start off by asking you, you know, everybody talks about the Cecil Hotel in California. It's the famed one. You know, it's right in the downtrodden area, you know, of Los Angeles. It gets all the fame, the fortune from the Black Dahlia right up to Alyssa Lamb, a Vancouver girl who tragically passed away a few years ago, which, by the way, I'm going to be honest with you. I am still upset that Ghost Adventures actually did an episode on that. That's way too new, and there's still too much unknown about that story i thought it was really a classless thing but that's that's me that's me let's talk about the cecil you're saying that the cecil hotel for its popularity isn't as haunted as many others i'm not saying it's it's uh i'm not saying that it may not be as haunted as the others i'm just saying that uh it doesn't really stand out as evil compared to, um, you know, the dark history of other buildings as well. It, it kind of just fits in line as being part of the norm of Skid Row. Now, you know, I, I wasn't, I finally saw the Ghost Adventures, um, uh, what, two, two, three-parters or whatever. And uh, I'm, I, I don't write about the Cecil in my uh, book because I didn't take any photos there. And the reason why I didn't take any photos there was because it was way too noisy to investigate. Okay. You had uh, traffic, sirens, helicopters. And I know for a fact that that's what, what hurt and affected ghost adventures doing what they did. So knowing all of that, I watched their show and I came with the way with the conclusion that they caught absolutely nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. The SLS cameras that they were using were uh, producing false positives. 
the Jack Underweger room, I still have yet to find anyone to uh, say that that is to actually provide proof that Jack Underweger actually stayed in that room. Um, so therefore, all of their spirit box stuff was uh, is easily dismissible as not credible paranormal evidence. So when you think about it, they got permission to do it. They spent quite a bit of money going into the Cecil. They would lose their show like that if they spent all that much money and all that time and didn't come up with anything. Okay. So uh, they were going to have to show that they had something to justify what they did. But truth be told, they didn't catch anything. And uh, nothing that convinced me whatsoever. They didn't get one single EVP, not one single, um, what I would find uh, kind of uh, tangible, something you can hang your hat on. And again, it goes back to what my problem was when I was scouting it out, is the noise factor would have made EVPs next to impossible to do in that place. Um, they did men make mention on their TV special you know, about the noise uh, level, but I got to tell you, the noise level would have been way too much. As for bringing in, you know, psychics, as for bringing in people to kind of do their thing on cue, uh, you know, I, I would dismiss that too as more um, Barnum and Bailey than actually substantial paranormal stuff. The Cecil, though, um, I do, I do care about that building they have had a whole lot of break-ins the Elisa lamb is way too fresh to be exploited and one of the things that i absolutely have to take this time to do i have to do it i have to do it it's mm -hmm. driven in me but the black dahlia was never last seen at the cecil hotel that is an urban legend and it gets yeah. repeated ad nausea on every single paranormal show <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, including the one that I was brought on to speak on the uh, Cecil. And it was a CW show called uh, Mysteries Decoded. They wanted an expert on the Cecil to talk about it. So they brought me in and I said, I only do it if you let me tell that black, the Black Dahlia was never last seen at there because I'm so tired of this. She was last <laughs> seen at the Biltmore Hotel. Sure, sure. Yeah, go ahead. I told everybody on the set. I told the director, I told the other cast members, said, remember, you know, the Black Dahlia was never seen, last seen there. Never. Guess what? I saw the edited version of it that aired on the CW. They mentioned it <laughs> without refuting it. That broke my heart. It's like, if they did that, think of all the other shows that know better. Oh, man. Put that yeah. stuff on there anyway. But, uh, yeah, the, so the Black Dahlia was never last seen there. It was a, it's a relatively new, uh, old urban legend that was dusted off and put back out. And Travel Channel did a lot to promote that uh, shortly after Elisa Lamb. Uh, there is a connection you know, psychological connection, which is why people love to bring it out. And it's a single young woman dies mysteriously in downtown LA, you know? So, um, unfortunately, Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia has been resurrected from the dead 
to now be last seen at the Cecil uh, when she was last seen out front of the Biltmore Hotel, which was three or four blocks away. Now, um, the Cecil had a couple of well-known serial killers. Everyone likes to talk about it. Uh, I have a middle block against serial killer names, so if I mispronounce it, it's deliberate and not at the same time. I just have this revulsion of serial killers, so I always just ruin their names. But I'll try to get it right. Richard Ramirez and Jack Underweger, correct? Yes. Or as close yes. as I can. Um, yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, I want to call him Undergarden or Underwear. And, uh, and and then Robert, I want to call Richard Robert all the time. And it's 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 a mental thing I have because they're not the only serial killers that I just almost routinely muffle their names. But um, they had a couple of celebrity ones living at, uh, out of the Cecil. And that has fed the notion that the Cecil is uh, is demonic or especially evil. But what I'm finding is that there are serial killers occupying other buildings, too, that just aren't getting the same media treatment. And if you want to go darker than the Cecil, uh, the Barclay Hotel, which isn't that far away, actually has a had two serial killers that actually committed murder in mm-hmm. the room. The first one was... Um, in the mid forties. And it was a man who picked up a woman in a bar in Skid Row, offered to pay her, I believe $10 to go to his room. She went to his room. They get into a scuffle, supposedly over money, additional Mm -hmm. money. Uh, He kills her on the bed. And then he takes a knife, a very large knife and, and tries to, sever her arms in order to hide her body in a suitcase. And he only got one part of the leg cut off with this like ultra big hunting knife or kitchen knife or whatever. And he gave up and said, ah, screw this. This is way too much work and too much labor. So he only got part of a limb severed off before he left. He gave, as he left the room, he went to housekeeping and, talked about the lovely weather that they had and then just said, well, my wife's in the room. She's not feeling so well. Just please don't look into her till, you know, later. So what ended up happening is the housekeeping housekeeper saw an actual woman leave a room and she assumed that it was the under the weather wife. So she thought, okay, she's not in the room. I'm going to go in. And she walked into the room and found this corpse half in, half out of a large, uh, of a large closet. A leg had been severed. The knife was still there on the floor, as well as cigarette butts. And the killer, I think he went to see a Boris Karloff horror movie called like The Walking Dead or something. Wow! And, and then he went to another bar, picked up another woman took her to her place. That building's no longer standing and he murdered her. <laughs> and then he was caught in a bar and uh, based on different uh, stories 
uh, uh, newspaper accounts because they all got quite colorful. But, uh, you know, there, there might have been some blood on his shirt, which tipped off the police that this guy might know something about the killing. And, of course, he did eventually confess to all of it. But this poor woman that was horribly murdered at the Barclay, um, it's a forgotten story now. Then in the 70s, there was a uh, a killer called the Skid Row Slasher. And he started uh, killing men, mostly a lot of them transients, in and around the library grounds. Uh, but he did go up on the top floor of the Barclay and he slashed a man's throat from ear to ear. And like Richard Ramirez, he was ritualistic. And they were referring to him, newspapers, but until he was caught, they were referring to him as a vampire because it looked like he was draining blood in order to drink it, possibly. Uh, he was putting salt around the body. He, was go he had some kind of weird satanic-like ritual that was going on. So what Richard Ramirez was doing was not original. You know, under him, there were, this was kind of fit a pattern. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now the weather. Expect partly cloudy skies with an excellent chance of maximum refunds. Wait, that can't be right. Oh, but it is. Who are you? I'm April. And we could see refunds raining down all tax season with people switching to Tax Act. Tax Act? The tax filing software that makes it easy to file for less and get more. New forecast. It's sunny days ahead for everyone using Tax Act. Always happy to brighten your day. Tax Act. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See taxact.com for details. With certain uh, demented types. Like Richard Ramirez, the man was actually caught. And he's dead now. I won't tell his name because, quite frankly, I don't remember it off the top of my head. It's this thing against trying to memorize uh, serial killer names. But uh, he, he ended up killing about seven or eight people, maybe more, before he was finally caught. And uh, so the Barclay, in my opinion, that, one, that one's dark. I mean, that, that's, a darker, that's a darker history in my opinion. Right now I'm working on a hotel called the Hayward in downtown LA. And I, I've still got quite a ways to go on the history, but it's pretty amazing too, in that it had some, uh, oh, it has kind of a film noir history as well. It's another old hotel. There are, I've come across a few stories where murder plots were being hatched um, there was this sensational murder that happened in 1920, right? It was a wealthy miner. Um, he was last seen checking out of the uh, Hayward. He went back to his house and then he suddenly disappears. Uh, I think one of his housekeeper, Mrs. Pete, was living there and trying to manage his estate. She was actually even renting this big house, you know out to other people. And meanwhile, 
and, and giving all kinds of excuses about this mining man suddenly disappearing. Well, family members started getting very concerned and they ended up calling a detective, ended up um, investigating the place and they found that this man was murdered and buried in his own basement of his house. So I'm still looking at that's a fascinating story. But the weird thing is that it's connected to the Hayward and there are other types of similar type murders or murder victims that are somehow or another tied to the Hayward, you know, wow. uh, right before they died. So the Hayward itself is another one of those buildings that isn't too far from the Cecil, isn't too far from, from, um, the Barclay uh, that, you know, has a dark history. A, a, a fourth hotel that is fascinating in the Skid Row area is a hotel called the Rosalind and, and it's Annex, which is right across the street. Uh, while I've not been able to find serial killers necessarily connected with that, you know, all of these buildings do have their share of jumpers or suicides, they all have their share of uh, of murders, a few murders going on there. And then there's some just really weird stories about escape, you know, someone getting bitten by a poisonous snake, you know, or, uh, oh you know, just weird stuff, weird stuff happening in, uh, in, in these old buildings. So they all have a... Uh, they all have kind of a crazy story. Almost all of them have prohibition violations, uh, gang-related stories, uh, gangster-related stories, and just desperate people. Desperate people committing desperate crimes for desperate reasons. And, yeah. and that's the gist of Skid Row. It's, it changes. You know, the, it's now a different type of desperation that needs to be addressed. Um, I just feel sorry for, you know, the people that, that have to live there and get accosted by, you know, paranormal folks that think that Richard Ramirez's ghost haunts the Cecil, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, or think that Lisa Lamb's, I especially feel bad for Lisa Lamb's family um, having to live with, you know, just people uh, gleefully making things up. I mean, they're not even being um, respectful. They're being almost gleeful about it. And and that's got to be very tough. I I don't think enough people try to put themselves in other people's shoes and how heartbreaking it would be to see, you know, 20, 30-year-old somethings, you know, talking about your daughter in such a way as that some of the stuff that I've seen on TikTok and you know, other social media uh, platforms. And I agree with you totally. It's too early yep. for that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. You know, out of all the hotels, as we got about five and a half minutes to go here before we go to break, out of all the hotels mm-hmm. that you have investigated, is there a story that really sticks out with you that maybe is not in the public eye? Oh yeah, I I have, but I can't tell it in five minutes. Well, well, we can continue <laughs> it after the break. But I, mean, I got, sure. yeah. But uh, there's a lot of places that just really aren't on people's radar screens, and they should be, but they aren't. 
you know. Um, I can say within five minutes, though, because uh, I do get asked this all the time, like, what is the most haunted um, building in downtown L.A. or in L.A., period? And uh, I would have to say it's I always say it's the Alexandria Hotel, um, which was L.A.'s first five star hotel. It opened up in uh, 1906, February 1906. It also is a mixed use building with a lot of low income uh, housing, but it also is the Plymouth Rock where the film industry migrated from the East Coast to the West Coast. It was Hollywood before Hollywood. Hmm. This is where Chaplin was in what, 1914, 1915. This was where Rudolph Valentino was when he first came to town, where uh, the Warner Brothers lived out of, where, oh, you know, if you were a film player in the 19 teens, you were at the Alexandria a lot. There were a lot of deaths there as well. But the one thing that most people don't realize is that when American Horror Story did their hotel season, everyone knows that because they promoted it as such, that they based it off of the Hotel Cecil. And I see that a lot where they go, oh yeah, American Horror Story. What they don't know, and it is on record, if you want to look it up, is that the Cecil was only one of the hotels that they chose. The other hotel was the Alexandria. So that whole section of a walled-off wing, a sealed-off wing, and the whole Rudolph Valentino vampire storyline, which was a pretty major storyline throughout the whole season, that's all taken from the Alexandria Hotel hmm. uh, ghost lore. Because there really is a sealed-off part of that building at the Alexandria, you know, that was sealed off in the mid thirties. Rudolph Valentino did, uh, ha does have a history with that building and his room, his suite, the Valentino suite is supposed to be haunted. I had a paranormal experience there um, myself, but uh, how much time do I have? Yeah, about well, three minutes. Okay. I could, I could fill this in real quick. Um, one of my very first Haunted by History photo shoots was in the Alexandria Suite, which was on the 12th floor of the 1911 annex to the Alexandria Hotel. And uh, it did, there was a door that slammed <laughs> late at night, so loud and so hard. And it was a door that we thought was permanently wedged open because there was no air conditioner there. It was the old tile from the 70s or earlier and it was warped. We tried to move that door earlier in the day. We couldn't move it. I didn't want to break it. Late at night, after it got dark, shooting there. And the leasing agent is right next to that door, you know, probably about 10, 15 feet away. And he starts saying, can you hurry up with that shot? It's getting a little cold and I'm getting a little scared back here. And he was all by himself in this little room. And I said, yeah, 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 go ahead. Uh, I'll get the shot. Hold on. Well, within five minutes, that door slams shut. He screams. We all jump. We tried to investigate what could have caused that door to slam so hard that it caused all the glass to rattle in this old 1911 suite. And uh, we, we can't explain it at all. Um, but is it haunted by the ghost of Rudolph Valentino? No. 
That was actually named in honor of Rudolph Valentino in 1970. Nobody knows what room he really lived in, but they just happened to pick a haunted couple of rooms, decorated it to look gaudy, like a 1917-style um, you know, room. And when you know, you know, it was haunted. And so that's what fostered the Rudolph Valentino ghost story about him haunting his old room. Um, but no, it, it's something else that's haunting that room. And there certainly are enough dark deaths there as well to uh, where the list of possible suspects could range in the 20, 20 something odd possible names or more. Wow. But you can rule out Valentino for sure. Uh, I don't think he has anything to do with haunting that building. It is great that his his that he he does have a history there, at least for a couple of years while he was alive. Haunting it while you're alive, very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, gentlemen, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. Hard to believe we are already through one hour here of Spaced Out Radio. Merle is here from Ghosts of the Great White North and the Paranormal Road Trippers based out of Vancouver, British Columbia. And our special guest tonight, as we continue on with the great hauntings of Southern California, Craig Owens, author of the book Haunted by History, separating the facts and legends of eight historic hotels and inns in Southern California. We're going to continue with some ghost stories because that's what we do here on Space Down Radio on ghosts all night long. Here we go with hour number two right after this. Looks good, boys. Looks good. That's a great, great, another great half hour. Dave, (coughs) my hair is actually longer than yours. (laughs) Yours is not longer than mine. Yeah, probably not. Never mind. Disregard. (laughs) Yeah, you, you... You guys chat away. I'll be right back. Okay. Let's see what Dirty Filth is working on here. Hold on. There we go. He's going I've to been watching him more than anybody else. I'm trying yes. to see what is he doing. I see. Landscape. Yep. Now, is that a miner or a construction worker? We don't know. It's Merle trying to get a. A ghost on on the on the recorder, classic Merle right there. <laughs> yeah, got his big orange recording box with him and everything. Yep, gotta have that out there. I love it. I love this. I love his every drawing he does is awesome. Thanks, Merle. Yeah, I got a little package of drawings for you when we go to Vegas. I'm excited, sure. and I got a Christmas card as well. It's... Good. I'm going to go get something to drink real quick. I'll be right back. Sounds good. Me too. I snuck away and got tea while you guys were talking about spooky ghosts. (laughs) I will be back too. Everybody's just leaving. All right. Let's see how it is. Wish I had snacks. 
All right, I'm back. Hi. So is this what you do? You you uh, you draw during every episode? Is that? Uh, I try to get every episode. My computer decided to croak on me last night, so I had to get a replacement in short order. But yeah, usually, usually four times a week. Come on, draw cartoons and entertain people during the breaks or become a distraction, one of the two. Uh-huh. I don't talk during the show because I'm usually sipping on ginger ale and I'm belching all the time and I got a potty mouth. <laughs> what are some of the uh, ghost stories of the Hayward? I don't know yet. I mean, I've heard that it's haunted. There was a shooting there last... Uh, a woman was literally shot to death in the building back in October, November. So whenever there's like a tragic like that, I always have people write me, what do you know about the Hayward? What do you know <laughs> about the Hayward? And, um, uh, you know, I've heard all of these places are haunted. You know, management's kind of nervous about it. Um, you know, you want to build uh, trust in it, but uh, trust in that I won't go in there and completely exploit it, you know, but um, a lot of these places don't really know what their own history is. They really don't, the owner, no. property owners, and a lot of them will inherit the urban legends and, you know, think that that's when they buy the history, thinking that that's, that is the history and it isn't. And very few of them have the money or want to spend the money to actually hire a historian. So I do try to do things as an act of goodwill to, you know, get them to care about their building and maybe even fall in love with it a little bit more. But the Hayward, um, a lot of these buildings always say if they're not haunted, they have a right to be because they have, uh, it has quite a checkered past. And any building that is around for 50, 60, 70 years, they go through wild real estate, you know, economic swings. Uh, where, you know, what was once very prestigious, very nice, goes right into the gutter. Sometimes they'll have a renaissance where it comes back again, and then it, you know, it, it and then it goes down. And a lot of these buildings, when they fell down, they stayed down. And that's yeah. the Cecil being one of them. Um, so, you know, I, I'm still trying to get a, beat on it. I've never been able to find a, a conclusive ghost story told about the Cecil yet. Mm, that's, that's yeah, because a lot of it's word of mouth. It's a lot of it, you could almost use the word folklore or, or just tales. There's no ghost um, lore. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Ghost yeah. Lore. yeah. I can, I can pick, pick up with that. Um, usually haunted buildings like the Alexandria, they have uh they, there are rooms that are haunted, mm-hmm. that are famously haunted, you know, and that's what you look for mm-hmm. when you're scouting. Uh, Cecil doesn't have a room that is definitively haunted. Um, I think people have tried to make the argument that that the Louisa Lamb room is haunted, but that may be more wishful thinking than real. And then I don't know where Ghost Adventures got their Jack Underweger room and how they were trying to get that, you know, trying to start the story that that's haunted by the ghost of Jack Underweger, which makes no sense because 
if you followed his last months alive, the, the Cecil was not on his radar screen whatsoever. Exactly. Right. You know, he hanged himself in a European prison. He wasn't even on charges yet for any possible murders that he committed in Los Angeles. He was gentlemen. I'm going to get you to hold on. on. Sorry. I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to come back for break here. Thank you to Sibylla, Jake and Ange for the super chats. Vegas down below. Check the ticker. Here we go. You're listening to spaced out radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. We have Hagiomania. Hagiomania is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our good friend Merle from Ghosts of the Great White North here on Spaced Out Radio continues for 2023. He is with the Paranormal Road Trippers based out of Vancouver, British Columbia. And on this night, once a month, we talk everything paranormal. Craig Owens is our special guest tonight. He's the author of Haunted by History, separating the facts and legends of eight historic hotels and inns in Southern California. You can get it on Amazon right now as we speak. Merle, Craig, welcome back. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. You are very, very welcome. All right. uh, Let's get to, we'll get to some audience questions in in just a little bit here, but I'm very curious. You know, we talk a lot about these, these murderers that uh, serial killers that have haunted. And I use the term loosely haunted a lot of these uh, rundown or uh, hotels and, and places uh, that you've mentioned so far tonight. But I mean, is there, is there a lot of mystery outside of serial killers that, that really pushes a lot of the legends that are going on, whether it's broken hearts, whether it's people losing uh, everything on Hollywood through movies or the music industry. Oh, it's, it's hard to, it, it, you know, it's really hard to say. I think it's what, catches the public fancy at the time um and uh and what resonates uh, you know richard ramirez going back to him he was uh, a very he he really was a frightening character when alive um people were literally terrified before they even knew who he was it was just a serial killer on the loose and the crimes uh, were kind of uh, popping up in really strange places under really strange conditions. And then when they caught him, 
you know, a lot of people thought, well, he's kind of a handsome guy, you know, and it was real easy to romanticize him. Some people either, you either thought he was handsome, you either thought he was demonic looking, you know, so it was a lot of water cooler chat. Uh, the economic. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now the weather. Expect partly cloudy skies with an excellent chance of maximum refunds. Wait, that can't be right. Oh, but it is. Who are you? I'm April. And we could see refunds raining down all tax season with people switching to Tax Act. Tax Act? The tax filing software that makes it easy to file for less and get more. New forecast. It's sunny days ahead for everyone using Tax Act. Always happy to brighten your day. Tax Act. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See taxact.com for details. Uh, situation of these neighborhoods, for instance, Skid Row, uh, leans itself to a lot of really. Um, like I said, desperate people, desperate, desperate stories. A lot of times, uh, you know, people, these were heartbreaking stories that just ended up being forgotten, just like the people that that lived there and existed there. And so I try to remember some of the lesser known people, people that actually had a story, uh, you know, about the veteran who couldn't get work. Uh, and was living in a hotel in the King Edward Hotel, which is right part of Skid Row. And and this was in the 40s and how he was trying to donate his eye to science in order just to have enough money to have a place to stay for a while. These are the kind of stories that, you know, when we everyone talks about the Black Dahlia, uh, being an unsolved murderer. And for those that aren't familiar with the Black Dahlia, it was in the 40s. A young woman was found um, oh, mutilated in a, a field. She was naked, but severed in parts with uh, very unusual bloodletting that had been gone on. And, uh, and there's been just a whole range of conspiracy uh, as to who the murderer was and it, and the police botched it so badly as well as the media, the newspapers at the time botched it so badly that the killer was never caught. But what a lot of people don't realize is that that's not the first time a nude woman mutilated was found in an open field in LA. You know, it, a few, it was a few years back. There was a woman that worked at, um, what do they call them? Uh, it was like a, a, a dive bar where the, they would go in and uh, she worked as a, a woman that would try to entice men to, to pay money to buy drinks for her. And the, it, was, it was kind of a racket because the bartenders knew, and there's a name, I think they were called B-Girls or something like that. <laughs> um, but they would pour their drinks really weak, <laughs> the girls. Uh, if it had alcohol at all, 
you know, it would be a very weak, but then they would pour the man's drink a lot. And so they kept trying to get these men to spend money at bars. And so they were much more willing to spend money if they had a pretty woman that he, he was buying drinks for. So these were called B-girls, I believe. And um, they eventually was, it, that practice was eventually outlawed. But back to my story, there was a woman that worked as a B-girl. And, you know, sure enough, she found, she was found murdered in the field, naked, mutilated. And uh, they did catch the killer on that one. And that's why you don't remember, her, you know, but uh, uh, a lot of these things are somewhat repetitive, yet we're not quite, you know, we seem to latch on to a few that we latch on so tightly that they elevate, their story elevates into like mythical status, you know, right. and, um, and, and you'd be surprised. I mean, there's a lot of people that, that they get really upset when you try to, uh, you know, put a realistic spin on on some of these ghost stories. Because well, I'm not saying that these places are haunted, because in most cases they probably are. It's just that they've been so miscategorized that it's uh, it's throwing everybody way off course, especially those that are really into ghost paranormal hunting or, or really wanting to know whether ghosts exist or not you know it does them no favors to just repeat stuff that is absolutely false under the guise that it is real uh this sounds like a, a perfect opportunity for me to throw out an example can i do that please do. absolutely please do marilyn marilyn monroe and the hollywood roosevelt Everyone knows that the Roosevelt Hotel on Hollywood Boulevard has, uh, for years, at least since 80, 89, I think, 1989, uh, has been saying that the ghost of Marilyn Monroe haunts their, the, uh, the hotel. And they even have a mirror, which they call the Marilyn Mirror. <laughs> you know, and people flock and have their picture taken. And as the story goes... And the this, this story started to bubble to the surface around the 87, but it didn't really start taking off until 89, 90, 1990, uh, was that when the hotel was doing, undergoing a major renovation, uh, when I'm talking its biggest renovation in the history of the hotel, uh, where it was being finally restored from a seedy Vegas motel look with Coca-Cola machines in the lobby, vending machines in the lobby to a prestigious 1920 Spanish revival look that it originally had. So during this renovation, uh, there was a mirror that was in the manager's office and a person working may have been housekeeping uh, but an employee was wiping down the mirror, and she claimed that in the reflection, she saw a blonde woman over her shoulder. She turned around to look. There's no woman there. Very typical story. I've heard this story in a, about other places, about r mirror reflections of people that when you turn back to look, they're not there. Uh, originally, it wasn't written or said uh, positively identified as Marilyn Monroe. It was just a blonde woman, you know, 
then over time, <laughs> within a short time, it became Marilyn Monroe. And then suddenly this mirror was the uh, mirror that she either uh, lived at the uh, Roosevelt and this was her personal possession. I've read where Fox Studios owned the mirror and they gifted it to the Roosevelt. I've heard so many different versions of this mirror, but the only version I believe is that it was an old mirror that they found in a basement that had been abandoned. And what they were doing at the time is they were pulling everything out that they could sell in a in an auction in a yard sale. And so they were selling a lot of 1950s era stuff, uh, old like mid-century modern chandeliers that look like the Sputnik satellite, things like that. But they found this old mirror. Now this mirror, uh, somehow mythically became Marilyn Monroe's mirror. But truth be told, Marilyn Monroe never lived at the Hollywood Roosevelt, like they claim. Uh, she was there maybe twice that I can actually find where she was literally at. She was at more uh, other hotels much more frequently than the Roosevelt. It doesn't even make logical sense for, for, for Marilyn to have actually lived or even stayed at any length of time at the Roosevelt because the Roosevelt was always a tourist hotel right on Hollywood Boulevard. She was always a superstar. She would have been harassed and stalked, especially in that $5,000 a night bungalow <laughs> cabana that's named after her now. Um, she never lived in that. She never lived there. Um, that mirror, full-length mirror, was never hers. I found an old inventory list of those cabanas. And uh, guess what? Out of like 31 cabanas that opened in 1950, they all had full-length mirrors. Uh -huh. Just like the one that they found in the basement that they, they redubbed as the Marilyn Monroe mirror. So I'm not saying that someone didn't see a ghost in the mirror reflection. I'm not even challenging that. That could happen. I don't know. Um, I'd like to believe something like that could happen. There's definitely uh, ghosts at the Roosevelt, but it's all been mischaracterized. And the reason why Maryland is being used so often is because when the Roosevelt reopened in 85, 86, it didn't do that well in the beginning. I mean, a lot of people were excited, but they'd spent over $30 million renovating it. And Hollywood Boulevard was still kind of in the dumps when, when it reopened. Uh, it was in 1987. There was, uh, it was the 25th anniversary of Marilyn Monroe's death. And originally, uh, some promoters that wanted to uh, honor her and make money off of her, I suppose, they decided to do a Marilyn Monroe convention. And originally it was going to be at the Chinese theater, which is almost across, directly across the street, not quite across the street, but close enough from the Roosevelt. But it, there was so much interest in Marilyn Monroe in 1987, marking the 25th anniversary of her death, that they moved it to the Roosevelt. And then it became, um, oh, kind of a Barnum and Bailey event. You had 
Marilyn had this fake husband. <laughs> I forgot his Robert Slatzer or whatever. He, he claims that he was married to her for like 10 days, you know, and, uh, and that Fox had negated uh, their, their marriage. Uh, he was shopping around books that he was written and he had actually convinced people that, you know, uh, enough media sources that he was the forgotten. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now the weather. Expect partly cloudy skies with an excellent chance of maximum refunds. Wait, that can't be right. Oh, but it is. Who are you? I'm April. And we could see refunds raining down all tax season with people switching to TaxAct. TaxAct? The tax filing software that makes it easy to file for less and get more. New forecast. It's sunny days ahead for everyone using TaxAct. Always happy to brighten your day. TaxAct. Switch to TaxAct today and start for free. See TaxAct.com for details. Marilyn husband. Total con. There's uh, and now that he's gone, you know, people have moved on and said, yeah, no, he, he made this stuff up. But he was there. You had the ambulance driver that picked up Marilyn's body from Brentwood. He was there. You had people selling, you know, fake locks of Marilyn's hair. You had people selling T-shirts and coffee mugs and, you know, t- uh, all this other stuff at the Roosevelt. But you know what? People were Marilyn nuts. They were, they ate it up, they ate it up, they ate it up. So it wasn't long, within a year, uh, the Roosevelt management just figured out that Maryland's bigger than they are. Her brand as a marketing thing was bigger than the Roosevelt's. So they attached themselves to Maryland and they've been writing it ever since ever since. Now, the Roosevelt is a very interesting hotel because it uh, it was famously haunted. You know, uh, it was marketed as such throughout the 90s, not marketed the same way as much, but there are some really, uh, that was jaw-dropping. And this might go back to your first question uh, uh, that, you, that you asked about, you know, examples of hotels that you know where i think we that just make your head spin when you start finding things that make more sense than the ghost stories that are already there and the roosevelt had over 30 deaths it has more documented deaths than the cecil wow (laughs) there were people that were jumping off of the roosevelt too unfortunately and um and uh, which isn't a funny one. The, the worst one was a woman that jumped like the day before Christmas Eve and almost hit shoppers down below. Now imagine, oh, goodness. just imagine that for a second. And, you know, there are some real horrors at the Roosevelt that was going on. Um, but it's all miscategorized. They instead have opted to hide behind Montgomery Clift, uh, the ghost of Carol Lombard, who was 
hardly at the, you know, was hardly at the Roosevelt too, and Marilyn Monroe. The penthouse, there are two penthouses on top of the Roosevelt. And in the 90s, there was a psychic named Peter James that used to do seances where they would bring, uh, try to contact the ghost of Carol Lombard that was supposed to be haunting the, uh, the penthouse. And once again, and you still find this on websites uh, at, when you do research, they claim that they even call it the Gable and Lombard penthouse. And <laughs> it was supposedly where Gable and Lombard carried on their secret affair uh, before Gable got the divorce and they were able to marry. Uh, and that when Lombard died in what, 41, 42, uh, her ghost is at this penthouse waiting for her husband. Nice Hollywood romance, you know, withering, little Wuthering Heights of made, in, made out of concrete and steel. But um, none of it's true. Again, we're talking about a tourist hotel. So if you're going to be, if you're a superstar, you're trying to carry on a a hotel, a, a, an affair. You, you're not going to do it at the Roosevelt. You'll get so busted with all the publicists and agents and tourists running around. You can't do that. Let alone so the paparazzi. And Lombard, yeah. Right. Now, however, they were saying that those penthouses are haunted and. So what could it be? Doing the research, I came across there were deaths in those penthouses. It just wasn't Carol Lombard. Those penthouses were being used by the owners uh, often where they lived. And one of the owners who never gets talked about is a guy named Tommy Hall. And he uh, bought it, the Roosevelt, in the mid-30s. And he kept it until his death in the mid-60s. His sister ran that hotel, and she lived in one of those penthouses. And wouldn't you know it, I found in 1959 that she died of cancer in that penthouse. Wow. And you know that you're looking, if you're looking for a psychological profile, if you're looking for someone with an emotional attachment to the building, it's going to be this woman. And so she would be my suspect number one. Another really interesting one, and this is one that really had me uh, scratching my head over, and I'll share it with you. I don't share this too often. Um, in the starting in the nineties, there were, there had been reports of a little girl calling out for her mom, and she was described as a five year old girl, and. Peter James, who was, I don't want to get into Peter James other than to say that he, he was wrong about a lot of things. Um, he came up with a name for this little girl. He did not first encounter the little girl. He had already heard about the stories and he just tried to insert his personality behind it. And I forgot what the, he, he named the girl, but it wasn't Jackie. That's the Queen Mary. But he, he gave another name for this little five-year-old girl that used to be seen in the lobby. Then I found out that she was seen in other parts of the hotel and she was always asking for her mommy. Well, when I'm going through the records, I'm looking for things like this. And while I never found a five-year-old that died in the building, 
what I did find was very creepy uh, and we'll get you thinking. Tommy Hall had a daughter that did not die in the hotel, but she did die of an unusual uh, disease at age five. Huh. And she died in 1952. And the name's different. Her name's Mary, not the ghost name that Peter James came up with. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that puts such a strain on ta- the owner's marriage that they did actually divorce. But the Holes ran that hotel. So this little Mary Tolls uh, aunt was living up in the um, penthouse for a brief while. Grandma was living. She died in the building. But Grandma lived at Roosevelt. Uh, mom was constantly doing things at the Roosevelt and working there. So this little five-year-old girl that was the daughter of the owner would have been at the Roosevelt quite a bit. So if you want to, you know, so this is what I look for. And when you find something that actually corresponds with the history of a place, a description of a ghost, little ghost person, or doesn't even have to be little, just a ghost, this is what you look for, and and uh, and I, I actually believe that story because I was able to find a connection. Gentlemen, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we only have a half an hour left of Ghosts of the Great White North here with our buddy Merle from the Paranormal Road Trippers and our special guest Craig Owens. He is the author of Haunted by History separating the facts and legends of eight historic hotels and inns in SoCal. Find the book on Amazon right now. We'll be back with more Paranormal Talk, then hour number three. Awesome. We are clear. Sorry, I didn't mean to go over. No, you did awesome. No, that was good. These are amazing stories. This is good. Great stuff. Is the feedback okay? I oh. mean, are you getting people? Oh yeah. Asking questions and whatnot. I had a question sent to me that I can uh, I'll ask at the top of the hour. Okay. Um, oh my gosh, we only have half an hour left, man. I had like my list of questions to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll have to have you well, on. Well, maybe we should do the the next the next one i mean the last 30 minutes maybe should be questions i don't know sure what do you think what do you think dave well we can do it let's just run with it go with the flow yeah okay because i could fill 30 minutes pretty darn fast (laughs) the uh roosevelt though that that one did that that one endlessly fascinates me and how far we remove we are from even coming close to understanding what the hauntings are, you know. So much history, so many players in that hotel from the from it's yeah. You could, you could do a whole series of books or stories or anything. well, yeah. You know who did die in the cabanas? It wasn't. There was a famous person that did die at the Roosevelt. Um, uh, boxer, famous boxer Max Bear. Okay. 
um, wow. Jethro's dad. <laughs> On the Beverly Hills Billies. Yeah, yeah, he loved that hotel. And he had a fatal, he had a massive heart attack and died. Damn. In the cabana. So if there's a ghost haunting the cabanas, I mean, Maybe him. <laughs> and you want the leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. Well, tax season's here, folks, and you know... Hi there. Whoa, where'd you come from? April here to tell you about the tax filing software from TaxAct. Uh, seriously, were you like hiding behind my desk? Seriously, TaxAct makes it easy to get your maximum refund. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Switch to TaxAct today and you can start for free. Or as we say at Radioland... Subtle. TaxAct. TaxAct. File for less and get more. See TaxAct.com for details. Talk about a celebrity. I mean... Max Baer isn't nearly as well known today as Marilyn, of course, but in his day, he was he was a pretty big star of the sports world. Clark Gable, I have a connection to that. A couple of years ago, we uh, investigated the Wolf Creek Inn, where it said that Clark Gable's ghost haunts. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's in Vegas. No, that's in or, Oregon. Where is that? Oregon. Oregon. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. The end of the trail, essentially. Um, uh-huh. I why not... do they say it's him? Because he stayed there, and he that's where he went and had his uh, meetings, if you know what I mean. Um, oh, okay. I did not see nor talk to Clark while we were there, nor did we get any uh-huh. evidence of him, but he has uh, they have a nice museum room where he once stayed. It has... Like to spec of that era, and yeah. you too can stay in that room for a. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's 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 Southern California. It's still big. I mean, you know, in the in the New England area, it's like George Washington slept here was like a big selling point. In Southern California, even you still see it to some degree, but it was like Clark Gable slept here, <laughs> you know, and uh, that was like a. It, was a big thing and there's a lot of places out here that try to push that still they're saying oh clark gable was here clark gable and you know what he wasn't at every place like for instance the glen tavern inn they love to talk about you know clark gable staying there but clark gable never stayed there you know it's just uh but they want to lay claim to it as well so it's always shocking when I actually do find evidence of him actually being there. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, good for you. Yep. Good for you. You know, he did get around, but <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't everywhere. Same no. with Chaplin. Man, imagine if we all had that star power of wherever we'd been in our entire life, that that's where we haunt. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah, Maryland haunts several different places. Valentino allegedly haunts several places. Half the places, some of the places were built after he died. Go figure. But he still haunts them, you know. 
always a marketing angle or just people wishing that they could connect with these Mm -hmm. people. I I totally appreciate how you investigate the properties and go into the actual history. And it's kind of like peeling the layers of, of an onion. You just keep going. Right. And you keep finding all the the new, the, the, the truth The you kind of, sift out the the word of mouth and get to the actual meat of the stories of what actually happened. And that's where you get a lot of the really neat real stories. Like that's hold well, up, hold up Merle. Oh. We're, we're coming back on in 10 seconds here. And thank you tonight to our super chatters and Jake and Sibylla. And here we go with the next half hour, everyone. the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. The Merle Next Door is back for Ghost of the Great White North. Our main man, Merle, talks paranormal each and every month here on the big show. And he is from Vancouver, British Columbia, part of the Paranormal Road Trippers. And for the final time tonight, we introduce our special guest. Author Craig Owens, Haunted by History, separating the facts and legends of eight historic hotels and inns in Southern California. You can get the book right now on Amazon. Merle, Craig, welcome back. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I know we're on the last half hour. I just want to say it's it's been a great pleasure just visiting with you guys and getting to know you as well. Oh. I really want to have you back. There's so much more I want to talk about with you. <laughs> Fire away, Merle. That's why we're here. Absolutely. So I got a question sent to me um, from a listener. She's asking, what is the darkest story you've stumbled upon? Darkest story with darkest haunting. Not including oh Skid Row. Because that, that's a whole story right there. <laughs> yeah, I think I covered some of the, the, the darkest stories are like the actual serial killer murders in the Barclay, I think. Were, I don't think it gets any darker than that, you know. But, um, oh, I, I've had some paranormal experiences that I would say might be a little bit on the dark side at times or have heard or have suspected that it's a little bit on the dark side. Um, there are some locations that uh, I'll, I'll name two locations where I felt that I've always found myself kind of wondering if there is something a little bit um, darker than usual there. One is the Glen Tavern Inn, which is in Santa Paula, that's the one where, you know, you probably read in the news where Sharon Osborne uh, went to the hospital now I'm not 
I'm not, I don't want to comment on that because I wasn't there, but I, I have been there at times where I felt that uh, there was something that was a little confusing to me that was uh, dark. Um, I'll give you an example. I, I hope I don't use up all my time with this particular story, but Brandon's actually part of the story. And I like to, I like to, to tell it when my book first came out, um, I rented the lobby of the Glen Tavern to do a book presentation. Brandon had his own like television show that he was working on. And I said, look, um, let's just, you know, be my guest and let's just do a double thing together. You know, I'll do my little presentation, then I'll turn it over to you and you can do your presentation. And I reached out to Brandon because Brandon used to live at the Glen Tavern Inn and he had some stories, you know, where he he knew of some deaths at on that property that didn't make the news uh, when he lived there. So we were getting ready to set up and just about everything that possibly could go wrong was going wrong from a technical standpoint. We kept switching out computers and every computer was like breaking down and we're talking mac we're talking windows we're talking and none of it was making a lot of sense um where suddenly we have to like update every single computer you know um i finally got my presentation going first so while brandon's trying to get his wired i just I do my 45 minute presentation, but I'm hearing these little beeps, you know, constantly going off, going off, going off. And um, so after about 40, 45 minutes, um, I, uh, I, I wander over to the uh, Brandon's still not ready. He's still dealing with glitches and and electrical problems. I wander over to the front desk and the general manager is literally manning the circuit board where the uh, alarms. And from the moment I started my presentation, every alarm on that wall from different floors were sounding off. And so he had to keep writing. And he told me, he said, it started as soon as you began. And, um, he said, I, and we won't be able to do, I won't be able to do dinner, you know, with you guys afterwards. It's like, I have to stay here and do it. I tried calling the, the uh, security person, the alarm security person. They won't be able to come out until tomorrow. I've just got to man this. So I went, okay. Meanwhile, Brandon's still having problems. So I just start wandering around the crowd and just asking questions. And I'm just totally improvising, you know, uh, and, and, just um, doing one-on-one and I'm going through the crowd and I see someone sitting in a chair facing away from me, from where I am in the lobby. Everyone else has got their chairs turned, you know, to where the table was. There's this one chair that was never turned and there's a man sitting there. And I, um, I started wandering close to him and to this man sitting in the chair. And I swear at one point the man turned to me and it was someone that I really dreaded, did not want to go to this presentation is a guy that I had fired, you know, that had been part of my paranormal team. Uh, 
and and he I was always kind of worried that he would just try to show up at one of my events just and um I I could swore it was him and because it looked like him and I was probably about five six feet away from this person and I did amazing I did I just kept my composure ignored him you know, and just acted like I didn't know who he was and I kept doing my thing. Finally, Brandon gets his presentation done and he's able to do it for the next 24, uh, 30 minutes, whatever. Meanwhile, the alarms are still going like crazy. So I'm just standing right by while Brandon's doing his presentation. I am kind of shaken because I had seen this guy who crashed my event, or at least I thought I saw him, and these alarm buttons are continuing to go off um as soon as brandon and i mean the second brandon finished his presentation the alarms stopped throughout the whole building and when i turned around to look at that guy because i was going to confront him there was no man wow damn so was it what was going on, you know, what was going on there? And I've never been able to explain that because I'm not a person. You, you've you heard me now for, you know, an hour and a half. I'm not a person that's going to go wild with my thoughts. I'm very collected. I'm very, you know, I'm very composed. I'm, I'm kind of almost, I try to be somewhat unflappable. And I know, you know, uh, I look for, you know, I look for psychological things and I look for, you know, I, I just don't have these kind of uh, wild imagination. Something was, was trying to throw you guys off that night. Yeah, so, I think yeah. it was something like that. And then another place that I think has a dark energy to it or possible dark energy. I don't want to commit to dark is in demonic. I'm just saying that there's just maybe a darker energy than, than, what most people you run into on the streets have, okay? Um, and that's the Aztec Hotel in Monrovia, California. And uh, it's always just been a hard luck hotel. Right now there's a lot of, there there've been a group that came in and just kind of made up stuff about it, saying that uh, it was mob owned. I'm the historian. I'm pretty much the only historian of the Aztec. and. Um, it was never mob owned. They would did have uh, mobsters that would work there because it was a racing and betting clientele that would come to this hotel from Santa Anita Park, which was a race, a famous racehorse uh, racing venue. And uh, this would be 30s through the 60s, 70s. You know, there'd be uh, bookies and. Well, race racing people that would come to the hotel and party, you know. Uh, so there would be an underworld presence, but to go around and say that it was mob owned is is a great exaggeration. Uh, it there's a basement there that uh, long rumored to be a speakeasy, and while I've never found any evidence that a speakeasy literally existed in that basement. I did find through an EVP that suggests that something, a a speakeasy might very well have been there. Certainly illegal 
gambling games, perhaps. Um, one of the best EVPs I caught was a real deep voice. And uh, it literally said one set of deuces really loud. And once you hear this EVP, you can't unhear it. <laughs> you know, that's what you'll hear. Um, I don't play poker. None of the people I was with played poker. I had to look up what that phrase was to even know that it was a poker hand. But this totally backs up the stories about illegal card games going on in that basement. Um, caught women's voices down there when there weren't uh, any women with us, no females with us on the in, in the investigation. Uh, it just it does. There's a dark energy there. Uh, I can't quite put my finger on it, uh, but yeah, those those are a couple of places that come to mind. I hope that answers the question. Absolutely. Do you have another one? I, I, I want to ask you this because we haven't really asked you this. Sure. Do you consider yourself a ghost hunter or a historian? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. It just kind of depends on the <laughs> mood I'm in, <laughs> really. Um, I would say that I, I try to distinguish between paranormal investigator and paranormal researcher. Um, there are few paranormal researchers out there, very few. There's a lot of paranormal investigators, and, and so much so that I get embarrassed because the investigators don't really investigate you know, it's more like paranormal looky-loos, you know, rather than like, you know, really, really, in, you know, looking into it. I, I'm always there to help people that are genuinely curious and want to get closer to the truth, not the ones that just want to sell something or, you know, they, they just want to go with the narratives that they read or heard all for years and you know they want Marilyn Monroe to haunt the Roosevelt they want you know this and that they want demons in the Cecil they want all of this stuff and you're just you try to take that away from them and they get mad well these are real paranormal investigators you know um so I'm trying to answer your question more directly uh I guess I see myself more as a song and dance man <laughs> you know you know when people used to ask me that question i my answer used to be i am ringo i play the drums <laughs> that. that's about my best way to, to explain it as i just do what i do it i do what it feels like when it comes to paranormal investigating i do have very strict rules and i try to follow a very um I try to be as good uh, an investigator as I possibly can. Uh, I think there are better ones out there than me, but I also think that I'm better than probably most that are out there only because I have the research in my head. But what I do recommend uh, is that when you go in and research a place, you don't have to be a historian before you set in the door go ahead and go in there test the urban legends test just run tests to see what 
if anything is there. But do the follow-up and do the research after you collect your data and have had time to go through it. That way it doesn't taint you going in having all of this knowledge, Smart. you know, that can't possibly be that because this is this, you know, you don't want that. Uh, but you also don't want to go in believing the urban legends exist too. Like, Oh, something happened in my room. It's Marilyn. She's here. You know, you don't want to do that either. What you want to do is you want to kind of go in thinking that it's not haunted at all. I'm from Missouri. Show me, you know, Show me, prove it to me that you're here. Uh, prove it to me that it's it's haunted, and then I'll believe. You know, but do the research, the primary historical research, afterwards. It's far more revealing, and also it's important. I always recommend uh, paranormal people. It's getting harder and harder to get into haunted places because of bad behavior on the parts of people breaking and entering. You have to give something back to the public in yep. order to get their respect and let them in. And you can't, you can say, well, I do that by cleansing their homes. I do that by blessing, but you're charging in a lot of cases. And, but, but even if you do, aren't one of those that charge, uh, it's still kind of iffy that you're doing anything that's mm -hmm. like really good. What is definitely something that you can give back and give back is if you do stumble across a piece of real info, a real piece of historical information, uh, share it with the owner, share it with the historical society, make friends with these people. This is how you give back and magic happens, doors open, and yep. you have a credibility going forward that most of your peers in the paranormal field will never have. And that's my best advice. Very true. Very true. And I think that is a, a great lesson for the weekend warriors out there who mm -hmm. are really trying hard to, to, you know, project some sort of credibility in this field when really they're only out for their own selfish reasons. Right. And, and another thing I want to just add that's real quick is it took it, you know, every, all of us fail, all of us will get it wrong. Every, mm -hmm. All of us will make mistakes. Um, uh, my mistake, one of my biggest mistakes is that I'd go in and go, oh, this place is haunted. I don't feel anything. You know, I get too jaded and too cynical. And then I go back and listen to the audio and it's like a little kid. It's there. Going, get out of my room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll go, oh, boy. You know, was I wrong? You know. Um, so... Uh, I mostly air by being on the ground. Leftovers. Or. Ch -ch 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 the DMV. Number 97. Or. Ch -ch 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 house cleaning. Or. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now the weather. Expect partly cloudy skies with an excellent chance of maximum refunds. Wait, that can't be right. Oh, but it is. Who are you? I'm April. 
and we could see refunds raining down all tax season with people switching to TaxAct. TaxAct? The tax filing software that makes it easy to file for less and get more. New forecast. It's sunny days ahead for everyone using TaxAct. Always happy to brighten your day. TaxAct. Switch to TaxAct today and start for free. See TaxAct.com for details. Of being too cynical or maybe even too skeptical or too, you know, it's not haunted until I see more evidence of it. And so I am mindful of these things. Um, I try to be mindful of these things, but I, I'm like a lot of people. I don't want to make mistakes. So I want to make sure that it's as vetted and as accurate as possible. But if you do make mistakes, it's perfectly okay. You know, it's just the ones that are making chronic mistakes and not learning from it, or they've been told that what they're doing is wrong or off base. And then they, continue to do it yes um, those are the ones that you know there's no real don't don't be like those don't be like those people no very yeah. sure we got just under five minutes to go here on ghosts of the great white north and for you what what's the next trek what's the next accomplishment for you craig in this field well uh i've been actually working on a uh a pitch deck for a show, a couple of shows. I'd like have a couple of books still uh, that I would love to do, um, possible film projects that I would love to do. I've never actually worked on a pitch deck. I get pitched and I'd be a, join other people's projects, but not so much. I am in talks about being a behind the scenes researcher for a paranormal show. Um, that might happen this year. I'm certainly open to it and looking forward to it. Meanwhile, uh, I've been threatening to start a podcast, a Haunted by History podcast for years now. Do it. Uh, and I think it's, it, I'm getting closer and closer. Again, it, it ties back to what I just said earlier. I'm so like want to get it right so badly and uh, what I have to do is I have to kind of be like, it's like Captain Ahab and Moby Dick. Someone's going to have to pull me and say, stop it, stop it. You're going too far with the research. Stop it, pull back. Just give them something. You don't have to, because a historian's work is never done. You know, no matter how much you think you know a property, there's going to be something that you don't know that'll pop up, you know. And so I, I want to just you know connected dots correctly but i do need to get that podcast up i need to share i have so much information and hopefully fingers crossed i'll get back to doing photo shoots uh in haunted rooms because it is an incredibly effective way for stirring up paranormal activity it's the best single best uh technique that i've ever come across that works consistently and it, by the way, it's called the theory. It's called the theory of familiarization. If you want to look that up, uh, I stumbled on it accidentally, but it actually is a paranormal ghost hunting technique that's been around for years, and it's just creating an environment that's familiar to what maybe an intelligent energy in the room is might get confused. It's almost like playing a psychological game with the ghosts where you provide a setting, provide noises, reenact something from an event that was supposed to happen, have happened there, 
um, and see if it confuses them into uh, confuses this intelligent energy into coming forward and either letting itself known or even trying to interact with what is going on in at the moment. And so that's called the theory of familiarization. I'd love to get back into that more as a paranormal investigator. And if the place isn't haunted, I come out with great photos. So it's a win-win yeah. situation, you know. We got awesome. We got just under 90 seconds here to go before we got to go to break at the top of the hour here. Craig, do us a favor. Tell everybody where they can find your book and find more information about you. Um, yes. Well, you can find me. I go by Bizarre Los Angeles. You can find me on Instagram, <laughs> uh, Bizarre underscore Los underscore Angeles. And it's Bizarre spelled as in weird, not the shopping bazaar. Um, you can also find me online at BizarreLA.com. My mom famously said, who is Bizarella? Um, I thought, I'm going to take a model one of these days, and I'm gonna, she's going to be, there's Vampirella, I'm going to have a Bizarella. But it's actually just BizarreLA.com. <laughs> right. right uh, so you can find me on there, and uh, you can find me on Facebook under Bizarre Los Angeles as well. You can buy the book on Amazon, you can find my shop on Etsy. Um, I think it's called Haunted by History is the name of the shop. So I have a couple of names that I actually go by. Um, so those are your best bets. Uh, otherwise you can just call your bookstore and see if they can order it through me, you know, through, or just keep an eye out, you know, on eBay or something. Right or on. Used, used book. Right on. Merle, my man, thank you for another great edition of Ghosts of the Great White North, our man Merle from the Paranormal Road Trippers in Vancouver. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Then to the stars with little Timmy Senor and the UFO report. We'll be back with more Spaced Out Radio right after this. Great job, guys. Great job. Awesome show. Thank you, Merle. Thank you, Dave. Absolutely. Thank you for coming Craig, on. It was Yeah, Craig, you were amazing. I try to make your I try to make your uh, life easy <laughs> by by giving long long sometimes almost too long answers, but you know mm-hmm. better than the yes and no. Perfect Merle, stories, Merle. Did you enjoy your nicknames tonight? Oh, you, you're going wrong. You're going hard with the nicknames. Appreciate it. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we will let you go. We're going to get ready for hour number three here, and. Uh, Craig, great meeting you. Great chatting with you. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. And I hope to chat with you again in the near future. Absolutely. Absolutely. You wear a fedora on this show anytime. Uh, Well, that's kind of became my thing. It was it, it was a marketing thing by some producers that signed me to a contract. And I said, why don't you do that? And I said, okay. So I was under contract for about a year. Then after it expired, there was such a positive feedback on the fedora and the vintage suit that I just decided to keep it. Awesome. 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 All right, gents, I will let you guys go, and we'll talk with you soon, guys. Good night. Okay.
All right. Later. Thank you. Merle. Great show, buddy. Thank you. That was a strong show. Absolutely. All right, guys. Strongest one of 2023. Okay, bye. Later. All right. There they go. I'm just going to quickly run out of the studio for a quick second. All right. uh, Gong show. Patrol the chat room, will you? Be right back.
All right, we got about a minute left here. Hi, Bombshell Bomber. How are you? <clears throat> you guys merled it up pretty damn good out there uh, in the chat room tonight. You really did. Thank you tonight to Sibylla, Jake, Ozzy, Ange, and Steve for the super chats. Hi, Tim Mothman. How are you? Bob Davis, good to see you. And uh, don't forget, we want to see you all in Vegas. Check the ticker right here. You're going to be getting a letter from us soon via email, and it's going to start uh, getting you ready for some tickets and everything along those lines. And here we go. Hour number three. Let's do this. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on TalkStream Live, KPNL, and Odyssey Radio. All of our websites, pardon me, all of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Hadiomania. Hagiomania is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumpful Foot. Read the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. It is time once again where we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. For a while now, ever since I was a kid, I've been fascinated with Point Pleasant, West Virginia. My dad used to tell me stories of the Mothman and how it terrorized a small town back in the 60s. It's because of his stories I started doing research on other cryptids and urban legends, like skimwalkers, wendigos, the Jersey Devil, and many others. Point Pleasant was the closest town to me, so I made it a goal to drive down there for a weekend on the 53rd anniversary of the first Mothman sighting. On Friday, November 15th, I picked up my stepbrother and stepsister, and we headed down to West Virginia. They were both skeptics. They didn't care about the legend. I honestly don't know why they even wanted to go in the first place. We made it to the small town around 3 p.m. and checked into the Low Hotel. A couple of hours after going into the Mothman Museum and checking out the other small shops, 
My two friends, Katie and Joanna, made it down for the weekend trip as well. We all met at the Mothman restaurant where some locals knew we were from out of town and enjoyed us talking about the small town. One of them asked, You folks go check out the TNT area yet? I responded with, Not yet, but it's on our to-do list. This is when our group thought it would be a great idea to go there at nighttime and head to the area where Mothman was sighted by the two young couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry, and Steve and Mary Mallet. We bought lights and headlamps and headed to the area at around 8.45 p.m. We approached a gate that was blocked off so no vehicles could pass by and decided to get out of the car and walk into the wooded area. It was really dark out and all we had to guide our way was our lights. We brought in my GPS leading us to one of the bunkers. We made it to an opening in the forest where I believe the factory's building once stood before getting demolished. It was at this time my stepsister and Joanna saw a pair of eyes staring at us from the woods. Whatever it was, turned around and walked back into the forest. They assumed it was a big animal, and for our safety, we headed back to the car. As we passed the gate, I noticed it could be lifted with two people, and we decided to open it and head in with my car. As soon as we passed the open area, we found a bunker to our right, parked the car, and went inside to get some pictures. Our one friend was beginning to get a little too uncomfortable, so for her sake, I told her we will come back when it's daylight, so we could be more aware of our surroundings in the wood. We got back in the car, and I pulled back into the road. Before we could take off, Katie and I told the group we were going to close the fence since it was closed for a reason. We got out of the car, which was facing away from the fence, and the only lights we had were my brake lights on. We picked up the fence and slowly started moving it back into place. That's when I saw it. A pair of glowing eyes staring at me from the bunker we were just at. They easily stood six to seven feet off the ground, and it was just staring at us. I stopped moving and I said, Katie, do you see that? She responded with, what? And looked up and saw the eyes too. The moment we both were looking at the eyes, it became red and started coming toward us. I yelled, Katie, run! And as she screamed and ran for the car, the creature pursuing us let out this horrifying roar. Nothing I have ever heard in my life before or since. As Katie ran, she fell and hit the ground hard, and I didn't move till I knew she was safely inside. As soon as I got her in, I ran. The eyes were easily 15 feet away from me at this point and I jumped in the car and pressed on the gas as hard as I could. The road to get out of the TNT area is a 35 mile per hour road, and I was easily doing 100 to get out of there. We were very shaken up about this event, but it honestly felt like history was repeating itself 53 years ago. Once we got back to the hotel, we gathered our thoughts and I tried to think logically on what we saw. We looked up wildlife local to the area and tried to compare the noise, but nothing matched. I'm not saying it was the Mothman, or Sheep Squatch, or Wendigo, but something about the way it stood and started coming towards us made me think otherwise. My group and I have decided to invest in tech to record our cryptid hunts next time we go. We want to return back to Point Pleasant soon to try and capture what we saw on camera. Cryptid hunting is no joke. What we felt was genuine fear, and we could have died that night. Yes, it might have been a bear, it might have been a mountain lion, but you got to be careful. You don't know what's out there, waiting in the dark for its next meal. And we thank the Swamp Dweller for coming in here each and every Monday through Friday night to kick off our number three of Spaced Out Radio. Always great to have 
another story from the swamp. You can get thousands more just like that. If you're interested, go to his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash swamp dweller reads from the swamp to the stars. It's time for Tim Senor and the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. Yes, it's time for little Timmy Cedar, our resident Timbit, to come on in here with the UFO report. And man, you know what's happening here? We're going to have a good time tonight with you, Tim. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks a lot for asking, buddy. Uh, it's been good weather around here, so I've had a chance to get out with my gear and uh, look for UFO again, which is nice, getting back to my roots. It's fun. Nice. We got snow today. Oh, yes. I'm very yeah. happy about that. Very cool. happy about yeah, you were that. hoping for that. Yeah. Well, you know what? We I figure probably need another two, three feet of snow in order for the fire season to be kind of calmer around here because I don't like breathing in forest fire smoke in the summer. It's kind of gross. Right. Yeah. Yeah, get all the weather that you can so you can collect a bunch of H2O, right, to yeah. put out those fires. That's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's been a busy day in the UFO world. And, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of nights ago when you were on, we had to uh, bring in uh, a real grotesque-type story where a UFO group called UAPX had hired someone who had uh, a a criminal profile, let's just say, that landed him on a sex offender's registry. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, when you're staying at an Airbnb, chances are you've wondered, could my place be an Airbnb? And if it could, what could it earn? You might not realize it, but you could be sitting in an Airbnb right now. Like some people Airbnb their whole house when they're away visiting family or really on any sort of trip. Just think. You can make enough money to cover plane tickets or some of that trip. Find out how much your home could be earning at airbnb.com slash host. For the rest of his life. And the good news is, it looks like UAPX has come to their senses and stopped doing business with this guy. And this is kind of breaking this evening. And you know what? I've talked to a lot of people over the last 48 hours about this, Tim. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, especially on Twitter and Twitter at the, at the best of times can be a very ugly, ugly place. And here we go with, um, this new, new update that UAPX has cut ties with a gentleman who had a criminal record for, 
uh, a horrific, horrific crime against a 15-year-old girl. And you know what? There is no place in ufology for that type of behavior or to associate with that type of behavior. Hey, I am all for people who have been convicted. They've done their time and getting a second chance. But for me in life, there is there is no remorse for anybody who harms a child at any way, shape, or form. And I'm glad that uh, we can update that UAPX has cut off ties. Uh, I know they were taking an absolute punch to the face from many people in the social media realm, especially on Twitter. Some famous people were also ringing in on that, not just UFO people. And you know what? I liked, never mind the UAPX thing, I liked how the community came together on this. I really do. In, in, In really sitting there, Tim, and saying, we don't want that. People already think that we're a bunch of tinfoil hat wearing weirdos. We don't want this in our community. We don't need this in our community. And the public did what the public needed to do, which was run this person, okay, who has been convicted. I'll, you know, I'll just call him a scumbag. All right. I, I will. Okay, you can't sue me over calling you a scumbag for what you were uh, convicted of. It's your opinion. And, and it is my opinion. And I think it's great. I think it's absolutely wonderful. All right? I wish more media outlets and, and podcasts and YouTube channels would have jumped on the bandwagon with this. Okay? Would have jumped on on it. And, and I realize that it's a touchy, touchy subject. And we do have to, uh, you know, we do have to say this person was not a member of the UAPX group. He was somebody in a technological company that they were doing business with on the side. But finding out today that, you know, they received a lot of pressure from groups like the SCU which is the Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies, and they received a lot of public criticism that they did the right thing. Gary Voorhees and his group did the right thing and ended ended their relationship with this person really before it began. Yeah. And you know what? There's been a lot of passionate people out there, like uh, Dave Altman especially, who, and for people who don't know Dave Altman, one of his best friends is Corey Feldman, uh, the actor from Lost Boys and and Stand By Me. And, uh, you know, I think he was like in every second 80s movie that came out. But he had, you know, this is a gentleman who went through hell and back as a child actor and came out with it a few years ago. And Feldman, who is now, I believe, about 51 or 52 years old, you know, he he went public with it a few years ago and, and telling his story to the point where even today he is still getting death threats. He is still getting, you know, threats from people over exposing the uglier side of Hollywood and, and the, this, uh, that gross P word that we, none of us like to pronounce. Okay. But we don't need it in the UFO community. And for the time being, at least, 
it seems to be a dead point. What's your thoughts, Tim? Yeah, I think it's very, very important to hit a few important notes here uh, before we finally bury this. And I feel it's important to be clear that this is a bipartisan issue that we should all be agreeing on, whether you're this side or that side, whether you have this podcast or that podcast, we all agree. And I'm pretty sure we all can agree that this is not acceptable, not only in our community, but anywhere. But especially in this community, if we have the power, let's be vocal about our position. And so um, also not just speaking for SCU, it was just specific people from SCU, just to be clear, because I know you had mentioned SCU in particular. Um, So it's not the whole organization that came out with any kind of uh, statement whatsoever. It's just certain people that share interest with UAPX in particular. I actually, um, I, that, I'm going to cut you off right there because I actually have an please, up, update on that. My sources, with, my sources last night told me uh, before our show that the SEU actually was holding emergency meetings in regards to their connections with the UAPX group regarding this and that they were monitoring it from a behind-the-scenes view, and they were not condoning this. It was a high concern for their group. I wish they would have come out publicly and said something, but they didn't. But nonetheless, there is an update on that. Right. And again, just to be clear, this is in response to public outrage. UAPX has retracted its support of Michael Joseph Beery, a convicted, by the way, and this isn't speculation. Uh, you know, and I don't, there are two things that he's definitely convicted of in this. So, and that is very much public. Um, and so in a recent statement, uh, the UAPX president, Gary Voorhees states that we had no prior knowledge of the situation And, um, in fact, they still stand by their policy uh, to hire people that are uh, felons, convicted felons, which is not a problem. But um, he says here that they will, again, look at these, uh, again, in the future as a case-by-case situation. So they will review each case as it comes before they decide to get involved in the future, as it looks like. But um, let's be very clear that just um, a few days ago, we got a statement from Jeremy Voorhees just on Jeremy you know, uh, five days ago um, in his uh, post on the UAPX website where he says setting in his uh, post, setting the record straight that in their last few sentences here, they say that UAPX Inc. hasn't hired any ex-convict or felon, though we aren't opposed to the idea. So by that little statement, it may appear that they didn't know. So um, perhaps some of the statements coming out by, you know, Voorhees is potentially possible, but this is again, a some conflicting information. And so just to kind of tie things up, we have to understand that um, Gary came out with a tweet saying, sorry for the late response to the latest UAPX. 
but I have been very ill for the last four months, and it will take me time to get things accomplished. I want to thank Jeremy McGowan for holding down things so they didn't fall apart. Now we are still here and working hard. But obviously, there's been quite a few rebuttals out in the Twitter world. But in conclusion, before I kind of toss it your way, I'd like to finalize this quote coming from UAPX saying that they had no prior knowledge of the situation and still stand by the policy that we set for felons, but that it always is a case-by-case situation. What is your opinion of that final statement? I think somebody knew. Somebody knew. Look, all you have to do is Google. I have lost my sound. All you have to do, all you have to do is Google. Oh, there we go. It was you. Yeah. All you have to do is use Google. Can check out anybody. Okay. And this guy, literally, the minute you typed in his name, his rap sheet came up. Indeed. Okay. And, you know, I don't feel any remorse for UAPX. What I do feel is that they need to gain a little bit more control of who they associate with. Any group does. It's not just them. This is any group. This includes us as Spaced Out Radio. You have to be diligent on the people you bring in to your organization, especially when you are dealing with topics as controversial as we do. Right? And it goes for any business out there. It doesn't matter whether it's it's what we do here or UAPX or you own a clothing store or you're opening up a McDonald's. Right? It really doesn't matter. You have to be able to do your due diligence in regards yeah. to who you are. And, and and let's let's also say, you know what, there's a difference, Tim, between say a person who is caught for robbery, does time Okay, say does five years in prison, comes out and wants a second chance, clean themselves up. They want a second chance. I have no problem with that. No problem whatsoever. Okay, they paid their dues. You harm a child, though, in any way, whether it's physically or sexually or whatever it may be. I'm sorry. There is no forgiveness for that. There is no forgiveness for taking the innocence of a child, you know, and I'm sure being a father of three kids and now a grandfather of one, if somebody harmed one of my children, I would be, I would be literally going to jail next. And I think you would as a father or anybody as a father would. Yeah. I, I dread that's every human's worst nightmare to have to experience something like that with their child, of course. Um, but I just wanted to reverse here just a little bit because I wanted to point out that the statements don't quite line up, right? And so claiming no prior knowledge doesn't work because your company just made a statement, you know, publicly with your position on this. And, um, you know, in there, it was very detailed and specific towards the individual. So the research had been done, and it was something that they'd accepted and moved on with and was, by the looks of things, hoping probably that it never reached the light of day. Mm -hmm. That's the way the paper trail 
makes things appear to look. And now they're backpedaling desperately because of the outrage from the community and not just the community now, because um, although George Knapp in particular has been watching this case and he finds it absolutely disgusting in a quote, um, I'd like to further that other people that are pretty high ranking officials have been very aware of this through Twitter and are also getting involved and want to know exactly how much of an involvement this company has with such a dastardly person. Well, you know what? The good news is they have made the right decision. And you know what? There is going to be fallout. They're going to have to take a few more punches on the chin, unfortunately, because the public is very upset and protective. The UFO public, I will say this, is very protective of their subject. All right? You say something bad about the two of the Stars Academy, even though they're pretty much defunct now. I mean, you're still going to get it from a group of them. You know, they are very protective. And the good part about it is, you know, in thinking positive, the right decision was made by UAPX. And now we'll see what they do and where they can move on forward. And who knows? They might not be able to crawl out of this hole. That'll be determined in the future. Coming up next with Tim Senor and the UFO Report, we're going to get into some very interesting stories regarding UFOs at the UN. We'll be right back. Good. That was good. Yeah. I'm glad you skipped to this really positive next story. That is excellent. Mm-hmm. Tasty. Well, you know what? What, what, do you, what do you got there? Is that a little Perrier? Eh? It's it's a sparkling water, yeah. Yeah, you, but it's, you're it's a Perrier. Kind of more local. You're a Perrier it's, kind of guy. It's Oregonian, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or something. I like the bubbles, but I, you know, I don't do alcohol. I've seen you. Well, that's Vegas. A lot of rules get broken in Vegas according to the rules. I mean, literally, when I was flying in, there's a list of posted rules. I didn't know. I should have photographed them. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't realize. You, you just throw all of your baggage at the door. When you go through those golden arches into Vegas, that's great. Quote, unquote, baggage. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Oh, man. I, you know what? Just talking about that subject makes me want to go for a shower, man. I know we have to, but it just makes me want to go for a shower. And brush your teeth and just forget about it. Watch a funny movie with John Candy or something just to get your mind off of it. Or, or you know, any anything. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, what's been going on with you? When was your daughter's birthday? Is that? Yeah, uh, it was yesterday. Yesterday. She turned 24, right? 24. Amazing, dude. I can't believe you have a kid that old. I know. I know. That's am- I mean, my oldest is 21. I, and I, you're younger than me, right? I, I sent her some money and I said, 
you know, go go up, Cash. go out for dinner. Well, she lives five, four hours away. I said, oh, okay. I said, go out for dinner and and go get yourself something nice. You know, I said, put it on That's old, great. put it on old dad's tab. You know, I I went out. To, you know, speaking of going out, I went out to a tapas bar last night. Uh, which was a new experience. I mean, not really for tapas, but a tapas bar. It's it's a very Oregon thing. You know, everyone is tattooed head to toe, bandanas in their hair. They they get to personalize their aprons, which is fun. And they show up with this massive menu of things that you could just throw a dart at because it doesn't matter. It's going to be amazing, but it's also like two bites, right? A tapas. And it's like 15 bucks a plate for literally two bites. And you got to come to terms with that at some point. But um, you go in and you're hitting these flavors. And meanwhile, you're looking. And this restaurant in particular has like an open area for the chefs to be back there doing their thing. And they don't seem like they are paying attention at all. I'm amazed that the food is this tasty. Hold on. on. Did you say tapas bar or topless bar? (laughs) T-A-P-A-T-A-P-A-S, tapas. Okay, because everybody is, including myself, thinks you you literally went to a topless. a topless bar. Yeah, I'm big into that, too. I wish it was a topless tapas. Oh, dude, topless tapas. Come on. That is genius. Whoever, please do that. We need that. That would be fantastic. Um, but, yeah. It was just a really funny experience because that back there, by you know, the chefs, they just seem like they're in deep conversations. Meanwhile, all this food is magically coming from nowhere. And I'm just like, they must. I mean, they are only two bites. How long can that take? But it was like six chefs back there. Nobody working. Full restaurant. Magic food coming out from behind there. How are they doing that? Oregon. How? I don't know, but I'm thinking, uh, you know, I'm thinking that this is Vegas talk. Mark Sanchez will be in Vegas. Mark Sanchez, my question to you before you enter Las Vegas for the fan party, have you restocked on Hawaiian shirts before you go? <laughs> like that. <clears throat> yep. Uh, big thank you tonight to Sibylla, Jake, Ozzy, Ange, and Steve for the super chats. And uh, we really do appreciate the love. And, of course, uh, you're going to be getting letters soon. If you've already emailed in about Vegas, you're going to be getting an update soon on your tickets. If you haven't, book your times right now because we want to see you all there. Let's go here. Final half hour. Third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciated. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. 
We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go with little Timmy Senor and the UFO report. And Tim, apparently we might be getting closer to UFOs becoming a topic of discussion at the UN. What's happening here? Yeah, as San Marino is reportedly set to make Project Titan decision, according to sources known to Liberation Times on Monday, 16th of January, 2023, San Marino's parliament is scheduled to discuss and vote on a proposal requesting the UN to create an an office tasked with organizing periodic global unidentified anomalous phenomenon conferences. And so if approved, it will be the first time since 1978 that the topic has been raised for discussion. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. Well, tax season's here, folks, and you know... Hi there. Whoa, where'd you come from? April here to tell you about the tax filing software from Tax Act. Uh, seriously, were you like hiding behind my desk? Seriously, Tax Act makes it easy to get your maximum refund. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Switch to Tax Act today and you can start for free. Or as we say in Radioland, subtle. Tax Act. File for less and get more. See taxact.com for details. Net the UN. In 1978, Grenada's UN UAP initiative, led by its then Prime Minister, Sir Eric Gary, ultimately failed following fierce opposition from the United Kingdom. However, with the topic currently taken seriously by the United States government and China launching its own UAP investigations, it's hoped that the subject can bring a degree of global unity and cooperation. If San Marino proceeds with Project Titan, the proposal will be submitted to the U.N. Secretary General before undergoing a preliminary examination and discussion. Following this, the proposal would be submitted to a vote at General Assembly. Speaking to Liberation Times, Project Titan's creator and project manager has commented that, as creator of Project Titan, its manager on behalf of ICER and CUN, I sincerely wish San Marino authorities have the vision to approve the country's participation in a project which could bring many positive results to both San Marino and the wider world. And so continuing this quote, he states, I hope this project can also facilitate and achieve a climate of global unity and cooperation, which is something badly needed today. And so even though Project Titan has stalled in recent months, despite initial progress being made, followed a positive meeting and presentation to San Marino's two heads of state, uh, Giazzardi and his team launched a petition proposing the nation's participation in Project Titan to the nation's parliament. And so the government of San Marino is no stranger to the subject of UAP, as it's been sponsoring the International UFO Symposium for more than 30 years, 
organized by their central uh, organization for ufology study in Italy's main ufological organization. And so international conferences are looking like they're going to take place under Aegis and uh, part of the UN regarding the state of research on the UAP topic. And that would there represent an ideal, albeit unconnected, upgrade for the CUN's existing long-term initiative and a way for San Marino to capitalize on a multi-decade experience. Dave, it's exciting times. And if we can get this in front of the UN... It's a great shot at getting this in front of the world. No, and I hope, uh, I, I really hope that you uh, you do uh, believe that that's going to happen. I'm real happy <laughs> for you. You know, I'm going to be the pessimist here. No, I'm not. I really hope this happens too. I would love to see this conversation really get deep within the UN. But, you know, what, what bothers me about it is there's a lot of bad stuff happening right now in the world. Okay. And there's a lot of division. I mean, we have many people may agree with this. Many may not, but it just seems like we're on the brink of war everywhere, everywhere. And uh, it's draining. It's tiring. And, you know, between the wars and, and diseases and, and everything that's going on, man, some of us just want to live. Some of us just want to live, man. <laughs> just let me breathe and let me be free. Let me spread my wings out and go fly with the yeah. UFOs, you know. But you know what? I, I think it would be good conversation. I wonder if we will have an activist come out and say, how dare you deny UFOs? How dare you? Anyways, um, I don't know. I don't know. How dare you? Anyways. UFO moving. rights. UFO rights. That's exactly right. That's Power to the green. You know, but the the idea behind it is this. If it does get into the UN, it will explode the conversation around the world. At least we hope. It all depends if the mainstream media decides to do something about it, much like they did when Ronald Reagan gave his speech back in the early 1980s. And let's see if it let's see if it goes there. Let, how dare you? Let's see how it goes there, right? Sorry, once I get started. I'd love to be a fly in the wall. I would love to be a fly in the wall in there to hear the temperature of how this topic is handled and how they present it, whether the threat narrative is present there in front of that group or if they're taking a more European approach or a more Canadian approach for that matter. But I'm just curious um, how it's being presented. I'm sure if the Americans are being represented in that group that there will be that air of urgency at least. Um, do you have any thoughts on what before we move well, on? You know what? I would be very interested to know if those conversations would be much like what we see happening in the U.S., which are all behind the door conversations. They're not public conversations. So the question is, if it does get to the U.N. after San Marino, does does this topic go in front on camera where every person in every country has the ability to hear it? Or yeah. are the Americans, your country, not mine, going to, uh, to propose that this topic remains behind closed doors and lets a few secrets out and joins other countries from letting a few secrets out? And that's where the conversation stays. 
Okay, if I'm getting so sick and tired of this behind closed doors crap, I don't have time for it. The public should right. not have time for it, and we and have to stop like accepting that. it. Yeah, it's not like that everywhere in the world, right? And other countries might have evidence that could blow our doors off. And the fact is, is that perhaps in front of the UN, it's information that can be shared. Um, and of course, I'm just theorizing here on that, but I would wouldn't be surprised, let's say, because these countries have been aware of it and kind of more open to it for a lot longer than we have potentially. And also let's recognize that China will be there and they have the longest running and largest UFO investigation group with, let's consider them to be pretty well um, advanced technologically. So they could come with data. We haven't seen anything. They must have something. And who knows? Like I said, it could blow our doors off once we get inside the doors of the UN. Who knows? Well, and and trust me, I want to be positive on this one. I do. Let's get that conversation in front of a microphone, in front of a camera, where the rest of the world could see. All right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's get that conversation going. It needs to. All right, moving on here. Retired CIA officer has testified that Roswell aliens DNA was found in a human genome. What the heck is this all about? So we're all a little alien. Is that what you're saying? Is that what this guy is saying? That is exactly what this guy is saying. And uh, the recent tweet on retired CIA officer, John Ramirez found by investigative journalist Ross Colehart has opened up a new channel to discuss the topics that were considered fringe before. And so Colehart's tweet mentions Ramirez's interview with uh, Martin Willis on his live show, where he revealed the never told before information on the Roswell, Roswell rather UFO crash, alien occupants and their DNA. What only came out after World War II And so Ramirez discussed an unclassified meeting that he attended about modern human origins, his personal thoughts on the subject, his own personal experiences, and the UFO connection between him and several of his colleagues that led to their careers. And so Ramirez served as CIA Directorate of Science and Technology Directorate of Intelligence and ODNI National Counter Proliferation Center between 84 and 2009. And so at the CIA, he was the chief of intelligence, analyzing, specializing, and looking into ballistic missile defense, weapon system radars, and technical collection activities. Uh, And so he's obviously somebody that was an absolute expert in the topic. And so Ramirez Ramirez continued on to serve in the U.S. Navy as an electronics warfare technician aboard surface ships from 73 to 79. And so Ramirez says that he attended a one-day symposium at a hotel in 2001 that was unclassified, but it was about which he himself was surprised. And he recalled the story and went back to it after and considered that the roots went back to World War II. He said that the CIA was interested in the hybridization of humans, and he was told by two top officials, quote, their names have been classified, that they discovered an alien DNA in the human genome. 
And in a quote, he says, I give credence to the fact that Roswell actually happened. I believe personally that bodies were recovered. And if these bodies were examined and their DNA was examined and they know what the alien genome looks like and they know when they look at humans and they can identify the same sequences in the human genome. And so I think that what he says, I think that was what led to them that there's a hybridization of humans. And they further said in this one day symposium that they have not only alien DNA, but enhanced alien DNA. And we know that Roswell happened on July 47. And we believe in Colonel Corso. And if you believe in the eyewitnesses, and if you believe in Roswell's story, then you know that the bodies were recovered. And that's about all it would take for this story to be true. And so, Dave, what are your thoughts? Dig into this because... Leftovers or... The DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now the weather. Expect partly cloudy skies with an excellent chance of maximum refunds. Wait, that can't be right. Oh, but it is. Who are you? I'm April. And we could see refunds raining down all tax season with people switching to Tax Act. Tax Act? The tax filing software that makes it easy to file for less and get more. New forecast. It's sunny days ahead for everyone using Tax Act. Always happy to brighten your day. Tax Act. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See TaxAct.com for details. There's a lot to unpack here, but what are your thoughts about alien DNA being within the human genome since World War II? That's a lot of horny aliens. <laughs> That's my thoughts. That is a lot of horny aliens. Getting on with the people of Roswell, making sweet love with their, you know, crash site orgies that they're having. Hey, it's a little risque, but whatever turns their boat. You know they're out there. You know there, there's definitely there. a fetishist out there that's totally into aliens, of course. Of course there is. We see about <laughs> half of them in our chat room on a nightly basis. That's right. You know, yeah, I'm pointing at you, random guy, right? Alien lover. A damn alien lover. No, but seriously, I this is where I have a tough time believing. All right. I really do have a tough time. Now, is it possible that if bodies were found at Roswell, that potentially we share some of the same genomes? Sure. Sure, because we don't really know what life was like 5,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, even 1,000 years ago. We don't know. We don't know what was happening Prior to the dinosaurs, we don't know what was happening. If you're a creationist, it's only like 6,200 years. But nonetheless, we don't know. You know? And you can't close the door on it. But I think that opens up a part of the conversation that we are not ready for. All right? I mean, the public isn't even ready to really bounce off the ideas that people are being abducted. 
Now you want to get into alien genomes inside every human being? You know, it's comments like that where I wonder about a person like John Ramirez, if he is just setting something up in order to make this entire subject look like a farce. Because let's remember, he's very public that he's CIA. Very public about it. All right? Right. So that's where I question it, man. Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of the stories that we hold true in uh, ufology um, have come in, have come from you know sources like this that have anecdotal evidence only, which is really hard. It's really hard. Um, no matter what someone's background is, you don't know what their current motivation is, and even where the original information came from. So let's just assume that perhaps Ramirez believes every single word that he's saying is true. And he probably does, but the information that is sourced to him could absolutely be manipulating him or the chain of information, or it could absolutely all be true. And I wanted to kind of unpack a part of it because if let's say we could discover via a blood test that there is an element of enhanced alien DNA in you or me or someone um, that claims to be a hybrid. Let's consider that we could find that alien DNA in us and prove it. Well, that would be fantastic, you know, because that would lead to some bigger questions. So it is something that is provable and testable. And then that brings in Gary Nolan, and people that, you know, you could potentially search out this DNA within the ge- the human genome. We're hearing the claim. Let's find some evidence to back it up. Somebody is extremely artistic. That is fantastic. A Tim Bits with Tim Bits. Yes. Thank well, up here, so up here in Canada, we have, we have uh, Tim Bits cereal now. Okay. <laughs> and so, Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're blowing my mind. So our man, YJ Overlander, in our chat room, he's pretty good with the Photoshop. He put uh, Tim Senor's picture on a box of Timbit cereal, which is uh, titled SOR Vegas Party Mega Pack. Oh, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Cereal is my favorite food, probably. That and donuts. It's just, yeah. So it's just all Tim. It's great. That's why we call you... That's why we call you the Timbits around here, my man. That's why we call you the Timbits. Quickly here, we only got a couple of minutes left. Let's get into underwater UFOs. We got about three and a half minutes. All right, I'll make it as quick as possible. So Bob Fish told uh, another great story here recently talking about filming high-speed UFOs going underwater in the Atlantic Ocean. And so I'm going to jet down here through this story to get to the good part, because this is concerning leaked emails that may provide new insight into UFOs. Um, Bob Fish is connected with emails connected to Podesta. And so back in March of March 5th of 2015, part of this leaked uh, email were blurry for photos, including crop circles and statements from witnesses alone that would not be enough to confirm the existence of UFOs, but were, however, fairly credible and interesting. And so 
in this most recent information, he claims that the federal government had been collecting data on UFOs since the early 1970s using the Defense Support Program, or DSP, satellites. And so in his next email to Podesta, he shared an incident that happened with him in El Segundo, a city in California. After Project Blue Book was shut down, Fish met with USAF official who worked on the program, and he told Fish that there were times when they were diverted from their missions to track UFOs off the east coast of Florida. And further, he stated that in his claim that the UFOs had landed and had a landing and takeoff spot in the ocean east of Miami, north of Bermuda. He also claimed that there was a specific electronic signature or frequency emanating from them when they were going into or coming out of the water. So they were easy to track. On several occasions, they filmed the UFO as it transitioned from water to air or vice versa. Bob Fish, kind of controversial. Podesta email leaks. I don't know. What do you think of this UFO going in and out of the water and there might be photos dave look, look i think there is photos i think there's a lot more you know i mean these submarines that the united states have i mean these things can pick up you know a nickel dropping into the ocean you know what i'm saying i mean they are that sophisticated yeah. and when you get something that's cruising i mean some of the reports that have been heard that you know i mean these things are going at hundreds of miles of an hour underneath water there is nothing there if you believe the reports there is nothing on this planet that can travel at hundreds of miles an hour underneath water water's too thick it's too hard that's right okay now I, i'm not a scientist i let's let's face that i i am not a scientist whatsoever but if these ufos are hiding underwater what a great place what a great place and they would know that they could travel around pretty much undetected anywhere. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely. Our own phenomenal. Bob McGuire. Didn't science Bob McGuire have an experience while he was on board a sub? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I now, mean, now there's will, definitely something under there. Will we ever see the photos? Probably not. Probably not. Much like NASA giving us real photos instead of scrubbed ones of space. Tim, thank you so much. For another great UFO report, absolutely appreciate you, buddy. Absolutely appreciate you. Thank you to Swamp Dweller for coming on in with another spooky story. And our man Merle bringing in Craig Owens to talk about some hauntings in SoCal's hotels and inns. What a great show for what we did tonight. What a great show. Just a power show of information. That's what we do. That's what we do. And that's why we love being here each and every night for every one of you. I hope you all had a good time. And we'll be back tomorrow night once again for another message from the weird. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Spreaker, Facebook, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I know you're out.
Remember, this show is copyright. It's based out radio at SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we got room for them, too. Right beside Random Guy. Good night. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Life Cuisine is extra. Extra tasty. Extra good. Like the Life Cuisine Cauliflower Crust Pepperoni Pizza. With 18 grams of protein and 4 grams of fiber, it's extra delicious. So go on, be extra. Life Cuisine.